Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Winchester Radio, uh, our second podcast of the ninth season. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Devil May Care, a fantastic episode written by Andrew Dabb and directed by Guy B., who is our very special guest tonight. We're going to be talking to Guy and asking questions and him telling his stories. And I I think he's in the Winchester Radio uh, Podcast Hall of Fame. He's been, I think, our our guest so often. (laughs) You're you're like first one in our in our in our rock and roll director Hall of Fame for sure. Um, we are we are we are not going to take <laughs> not going to take in uh, call, guest call-ins because uh, we're we have guests. Um, but perhaps later on in the show, uh, the podcast can be found at Blog Talk Radio slash Media Boulevard. You can download us and subscribe to iTunes. You can find us at WinchesterRoads.com, our website and. Uh, also through our Twitter and Facebook at Winchester Rose, where you can also find lots of supernatural news. Uh, welcome to the show, Guy. Uh, this was hey. the second season aired. Um, sorry, second episode aired, but the first one directed. So very cool. And we have lots of, lots, I have lots of questions because this is an amazing, amazing episode. So Yeah, yeah it was cool. I mean, um you know, I got the note, I got the word that I was going to direct the season premiere. You know, pretty early in sometime in May, probably or June, maybe beginning of June. I was very excited about that, and I you know sent emails to uh, Jeremy and Bob and Phil and said, "Hey guys, thanks for you know throwing this my way, and I, you know, I'm going to kill it and the whole bit." And then, of course, then Jim Michaels and uh, Jeremy both sent me separate emails saying, uh, "Due to scheduling, and, and now everybody knows it's you know Mark Mark Shepard had to go off to White Collar. I think Osric even had a movie that, that he had to do." Um, it was uh, they they pulled up Devil May Care, so I actually you know did the second episode first, and they just swapped it. But um, I really dug the script, so it was, I felt like uh, you know in a weird way, as much you know I mean I was as disappointed as I was about not doing the season opener, I was pretty stoked about getting that script. You know, and Andrew and I have worked together on a, and uh, you know on other scripts with him and his former partner Dan, and uh, I was really always excited to do their scripts. You know, Frontierland being one of them. So um, it, it all turned out good in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really, really cool that, and you tweeted this the other night uh, during the episode, and I was charged out, and I couldn't wait to ask you about it. Because it was the first one you filmed, you actually got the first scenes with, with Jared playing Sam as Ezekiel, the angel. Right. And right. apparently Tomo Pennicott had not been cast yet, so it was no. all Jared and script, so so please talk about that because I thought that was so yeah. cool. Yeah, well, that was one of my first questions was uh, who's playing Ezekiel because, you know, Jared's got to act like him essentially or whatever we all decide on as a group that Ezekiel is going to act, you know, what's, what are his mannerisms, et cetera. And they really hadn't nailed anybody down yet. So um, they sort of left it in Jared's hands to kind of create the character, you know, and you don't want it to be too robotic and too uh, Stepford, you know, like um, – you know, you know, still have to have emotions and stuff. But, but it was. It, I think he took some cues from Misha. You know, in the way, sort of the way he treats uh, Castiel. And, and uh, yeah, it was. I think it was right at the end of shooting that that they they landed on um, on you know who they were going to cast. 
And uh, and so at that point, it was like it was pretty easy because then Jared said, "Well, I'll just, you know, we, he can look at the dailies of of the scene in the diner, or I can just walk him through sort of how I treated it, um, you know, how the mannerisms and the way he spoke." And so if you think about it, that was sort of even a better way to go because then Jared really could kind of create the characters, you know, similar to the way Misha became Castiel. Um, and, uh, you know, and then they got such a great actor to play, uh, Ezekiel, that um, it sort of made sense. You know, you could, you could see in, uh, you know, knowing that they were shot out of order, um, you could see the, the beginnings of, uh, you know, the, the, the Ezekiel character and, um, and how Jared kind of picked up where he left off. Um, what he, you know, he had to become you know, the super angel in the, in the diner to get, get the three Navy SEALs off his back. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. And, uh, it, it was, I was hoping it would turn out as good as it did. And I was, you know, I was pleasantly surprised once, you know, when I saw the season premiere, I was like, Oh, this is going to be great, you know, cause then it looks seamless. But, uh, you know, again, that's sort of the, 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 the art of what we do, you know, is, is sometimes you shoot things out of order and backwards and, you know, the first scene last and the last scene first. And, uh, you know, you, you hope it works and, uh, you have faith that you've done it before and, and hopefully we'll pull it off again. And, and I think we did, I think we did all right. Well, I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll credit it to Jared, of course, because, uh, you know, he had to sort of create that out of nothing. And, you know, it was just a few discussions that we all had, and um, uh, there wasn't much I was going to do to influence him, even if I had some crazy ideas, because, you know, he has to carry on with that character throughout this whole season, I'm, I, I'm assuming, at least. Um, so, you know, I come in as a guest, but he has to, you know, have the burden of how he wants to play that character within him through the whole season. So, you know, I had some some minor notes, but, I, you know, it, it all turned out good in the end. Mm-hmm. Was Were there, there any was notes it... in the script? Sorry. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, was there anything, any direction or notes in the actual script itself that said, this is how Ezekiel needs to be? Or... Not really. No, not, I think, you know, when you read that, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's sort of how we, we in a script, you know, it'll have the character name and then his dialogue. We've all seen script pages. So, you know, I think it was Sam, and then it had in parenthesis Ezekiel or Zeke. So, you know, it was it was clearly marked, and we kind of knew when he made that transformation and then when he made the transformation back. So, you know, I think it was easy for Jared to kind of, you know, turn into him for the scenes that he needed to turn into him and, and go back the other way. So, um, you know, I mean, other than it being, you know, called out in, uh, in, in the script. Mm-hmm. There was nothing specific in, in body language or, or the way he spoke. Back in um, season two, and there was an episode, What Is and What Should Never Be, and Jensen has talked about how in that, in that episode, Sam was Sam, but a different version of Sam, and he and Dean didn't have the brotherly bond that they do now. And Jensen has talked about how hard it was to film the scenes because he kept trying to act the way with Sam that, Dean normally acts. So was it um, how how did was it harder for Jensen to um, act with Sam when he wasn't Sam? You know, when he was Ezekiel. How did Jensen go through with that? Yeah, I mean, we did that that scene where um, you know after after he comes in and he realizes that that uh, Sam is Ezekiel because he's he's basically just slit the throat of the last uh, Navy Seal. Um, 
I mean, you know, I think Jensen maybe, you know, avoided eye contact a little more than normal. And even there's even lines in there. There's a pretty long scene, and, and I think they left a lot of it intact because a lot of those long scenes will line cut, which is take like three pages of the script and basically pull like a minute out of it. You know, we, we play it all, and we shoot it all, and we edit it all together. But once you get into the editing room and you realize the show's a little long, something's got to go. So I think they left that scene pretty much intact because there was a couple lines I thought in there that they might pull out where he says, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm normally talking to Sam about these things, but you're Sam, but you're not Sam. And, and then there was another one where um, he said, um, you know, you're doing the right thing. But then again, that's what a bad guy would say. There were, there were lines I thought could possibly get lifted, but they left it all in there because it was good. It was a great scene. It, it, it worked. I mean, those guys worked so well together anyway. And, and for them to not play Sam and Dean and play Dean talking to, you know, this, this angel that he's putting a ton of trust in, um, it was fun. I don't think Jensen did too, anything too crazy different. I mean, I, again, like sort of maybe less eye contact than normal and just kind of, you know, feeling feeling a little ill at ease and not feeling as comfortable as if it was truly Sam he was talking to. Now, about that exact scene there, Mary Bardic Voice on Twitter had a great question. She said she was wondering if you could give any insight into Sam Zeke's line, but that is why I said yes because of Dean and his love for his brother. Was it script she wanted to know if it was scripted that way and was there any discussion on how to deliver the line? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm de- it was definitely scripted. I mean, error, you know, there's very little if, if any impro- improvisation. Every once in a while, you know, they'll they'll tweak a line here or a word there. If something's big, we'll call, you know, call Jeremy and say, "Hey, we, you know, are we okay to do this?" And the guys have been doing this long enough and are comfortable enough in the in the skin of their characters where they know when to do that, make that call, and when not to. And um, but I'm not quite sure how, if we had many discussions over how to play it. I mean, ge- generally, I, I'll lay back and just watch how the first rehearsal goes, and unless I react violently to something. Um, I'll let, you know, I'll just say that, you know, it works for me. I mean, it's getting all the information I think we need to get across, across. And so I'd be, you know, again, sometimes your best direction is no direction, you know, and I'd be a fool to get in there and, and try and tweak something that's not broken. Um, but, no, I mean, I think, it, it, you know, it was an important scene because it kind of lays out the rest of the season about, you know, how he's got to deal with this, you know, I mean, because we, we established in the first episode, as you saw, that if uh, if Sam rejects, you know, my my presence in his body, he's going to reject me and he will de- definitely die. So the stakes are high and, you know, I mean, and you see that now basically Sam's got to kind of, you know, lie to, or, you know, keep him happy through the you know, through the whole season and, and um, not let on the, the fact that there's, you know, this angel inhabiting his body. And it was also something neat that I that I found in that, in that scene where he says something to the effect of everything um, he's done, he's done out of love. And, and I know this because when I'm in his body, I feel his emotions. So I think that's going to come back in the future to, you know, be a, a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, I think uh, look look out for that in the future is, is all I can say about that. And I and I, this is just me guessing. But I think when you lay that kind of, you know, um, that, that sort of ex- expositional pipe that early in the season, um, it, it's it's for a reason. So I think when he says, you know, what it, where, the thing he said about, um, I feel everything he feels. Um, you're gonna you're gonna get some interesting stuff in future episodes. Okay. <laughs> now that everybody completely. I know now. Now I've, I've got all these different theories going through my head now. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and, and also, honestly, 
I did that episode, I, mean, I remember flying up on July 1st because that was, it's Canada Day, so it was a big holiday. Um, I flew up on a Monday, July 1st, and I was done with it by like July 20-something. And, you know, I, so I haven't read any episodes, any of the scripts after that. I mean, I went by and visited the set really quick to say hi to Kevin Hooks, who I had never met before, but, I'd, you know, we had always been in the same circles. I think I was doing my Tomorrow People, and I went by the set one night after work. And, but I don't know, honestly, I, I, you know, I'm just throwing out theories just as, a, as a, you know, an observer and a fan myself. <laughs> now, we'll we're, um, <laughs> with you shooting this episode before the premiere, did you have to do any coordination with John Showalter with the premiere episode? No, not a whole bunch. I mean, originally, originally, um, Bob Singer was was set to do episode two again. That was going to be the premiere, and um, he had some. Uh, he threw his back out or something to that effect. And so, uh, you know, I remember just around the offices while we were prepping, they said, um, you know, we are expecting Bob to fly up on a certain day to start prep on episode two or episode one, however you want to look at it. But he hurt his back, and so they pulled up John, who was supposed to do like episode four, or whatever the one, the one that Bob was going to do. They just swapped. So John kind of got thrown into it a little late. Um, but, no, John came by the set one time, I think, and, you know, we talked a little bit. Um, he talked to Jared a little bit probably about, you know, just making sure the Ezekiel thing tracks from, from you know, episode to episode. But, um, no, there wasn't anything too too crazy. I mean, um, uh, you know, I, I kind of knew a little bit about that. I mean, I, I read that script, so I kind of knew a bit about what the, you know, the, the things that needed to track between the two. But, um but uh, no, there wasn't a lot of uh, crazy coordination be- between me and John. Hmm. Yeah, it was fun because the, 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 the day that John came by was uh, when we spent we spent four days at, at the back lot. Now, here's another great story. When the when the episode was written, it was originally written for to be you know I think Andrew and the whole writing staff assumed that um, we would have access to our Watchmen back lot. I mean, they just call it the back lot, but it was, as you guys know, it's that back lot that was built for the Watchmen. Everybody shoots mm-hmm. on it because you can make it look like a dozen different things. And we did a lot. Recently, we did a lot of, um, uh, the, you know, the last episode I did last year, not Blood Brother, but um, uh, Taxi Driver. We did quite a bit of it there in the alleyways and on the streets there. Well, unbeknownst to anybody, Godzilla, big feature film, and then Tomorrowland, which is a big George Clooney film, had that back lot wrapped up. So when that script came down the pike, you know, Jerry Wanick read it and said, hey, guys, you know, where are we going to shoot this? Because we need access to an abandoned city that you guys have written. They go, oh, you know, it's, it's going to be the one that we use, you know, the Watchmen back lot. So nobody knew we didn't have access to it. So Jerry, being brilliant as he is and springing into action, even before I got up to Vancouver, of course, he... Uh, he went and looked at uh, where Fallen Sky shoots, which is right on the other side of the, uh, I think it's the Second Arrows Bridge on the North Shore. And, uh, you know, the way Fallen Skies has it decked out, it looks like a, you know, a bombed out, beat up, if you know the show at all. You, you know, they usually shoot mm-hmm. it at night, you know, building yep. facades all blown to crap, and, you know, just, it just looks like devastation. Well, Jerry went in and made some drawings and pitched some ideas, and they started talking about concepts of how we're going to make it look different completely built from scratch um, it, it, and put it this way it was built so well that um, you know you could that it was like construction grade everything so you could have you know that could have been a real diner but that was just built in the middle of their set um, 
all the areas around, like where, where Dean and Abaddon have the fight, and where um, Irv gets shot, Paul Ray, actor Paul Ray gets shot. All that was um, a little piece that we built out. It jutted out into the middle of their set. It was a 20-foot tall facade, so it looked like two stories. And um, so all that was conceived and uh, was not cheap. And I, uh, I I watch. What's that? Did I lose you guys? Oh, oh, I'm here. Did I lose and, you? Uh, oh, yeah, no, I think we only lost Becky. Becky, oh, okay. she'll be back in a second. Okay. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, you know, we were spending four days on that set, so it was worth it um, because you know we needed access the way we we needed it, and uh, you know we couldn't necessarily shoot in a place that already existed, and you know rely on holding, you know, locking up traffic and holding people back from walking, and we had to make it look like a town that had been basically abandoned in the 80s and 25 years ago. So um, that's where we shot. It's uh, I think they call it Randy Tan Studios. It's um, you know, part of the other deal we had to make was as soon as we finished shooting, because they were on hiatus, but they were about to start production, we had to get it back to what it looked like before we did our thing to it. So not only was there a ton of work that went into building the facades and painting and a ton of work making it, you know, that whole diner, but we had to completely strike and wrap everything out of there as well. So, uh, you know, hats off to the uh, the construction crew, uh, you know, all, all those guys just do an amazing job every time and, uh, and paint, you know, all those guys just, uh, they, they're, they're, they're magicians and, you know, led up by Jerry. And, um, I don't, you know, that show uh, chugs along so well because of uh, a really great coordinated art department that uh, always comes through. Absolutely. Hey, Becky, you're here. <laughs> hey, I, back. I don't know what, I apologize. There was, a, was there a huge siren-like noise? Because there was on my phone. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were just gone all of a sudden. <laughs> okay, yeah, good. Thank God. I was, I was scared to death that you could hear that on the podcast. I was like, oh my God, what is that? <laughs> it was like air raid. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, we didn't hear anything except you just, you just were gone and and and, and guy wondered. <laughs> Did I lose you? <laughs> so, but okay, I think yes. you were starting a question. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I was going to say, I watched Falling Skies, and I, you know, I was like, I don't remember ever seeing that diner on the show, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's because you all built it, so that's why. Built from scratch, and if you look closely, there's a few shots you can get um, exterior. The name of the diner is called Ozzy O's. Um, there's a little nod to Ozzy Osbourne, of course, and then the inside, um, it was all Jerry's idea. It, uh, it, again, there's super detail that, that you just can't see because it's like there's so much else going on, but all the menus, and I'll try and find, i got some pictures, I'll try and tweet them out. All the menus had like the crazy train scramble and the um, oh. uh, yeah, like Black Sabbath song references and all the, uh, the, the dishes you could, you could order at this diner. It was pretty cool. It was pretty amazing what they did. I mean, the nice thing is, you know, we had to strike all that and it's a shame because it was so, you know, built, you know, well. But what they were able to do is, um, as they do with set on the set, we're able to recycle them. So what they'll do is they'll they'll keep part of it, um, store it somewhere, and then in a future episode you'll probably see uh, some kind of remnant of that diner, whether it becomes another, you know, like, so, you know, a diner or whatever. But you'll see it somewhere down the line, completely unrecognizable. But what it does is it, you know, helps them keep the cost down in future episodes and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that, I was saying, Becky, I was saying that in addition to creating all that, 
you know, the deal we made with Falling Skies was we had to get it back to the way it looked before we got there because they were about to start production. So in addition to that giant build, there was a giant, well, get it back to what it looked like before. That, which you know, no, not many people think about, but that's a that's a huge job in itself. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. And that was actually one of my questions was, um, that I had for you was about the Falling Sky set. You didn't see any alien skitterers or anything running around there, right? <laughs> we clearly went out of our way to make sure that there wasn't too much in the way of. Um, you know, where people can recognize it. And we did okay. I mean, there's a few things that I noticed are way in the background. You know, uh, there's only so much you can do. And, uh, you know, we have a great, you know, CGI visual effects department, so it may have helped. And the, the, the reason I say it may have is because it's so invisible what they do sometimes that they take away things that I didn't even know that were there in the first place. Um, it's very sublime. They're, they're really good at that kind of thing. Um, in addition to all the other great stuff they, they do, you know, um, whether it's, you know, turning people's eyes you know, red and black and things coming down and all that stuff, but they also do things that are completely invisible that they get no credit for, but I know they did it. Sometimes. Sometimes I know. Speaking of visual effects, I have to say, I absolutely love the scene uh, with where Abaddon Smoke was circling around the tub and the demon when he was, you know, doing the spell to bring her yeah. to resurrect her. That, that scene was just shot beautifully. It was gorgeous. Yeah, that was cool. That was, we did that at the end of the day. Obviously, the boys were gone for the day. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, you know, we had to do, we had to kind of perpetuate the idea that she materializes from this tub, standing up completely nude without actually shooting her in the nude. And, um, you know, it, it came off well because, and somebody even mentioned to me on Twitter that they, you know, they they thought the way we shot it was very respectful. And it's like, well, we can't show nudity anyway. Plus, you know, you're just trying to sort. Of, to me, what sometimes the best stuff is, you know, what's implied, and what what is, you know, if you show everything. I mean, that's the reason Jaws works so well because you didn't see the shark mm-hmm. a lot or or alien. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really see the thing. Because um, what's in your mind is, you know, a lot darker than what you could ever photograph. So, you know, it's just, you know, giving images and implying things. And so from the beginning, I mean, that was always one of the things where what are we going to do, what are we going to do? And from the beginning I said, look, don't worry about it. I mean, she's going to be, you know, I think we had like a nude color um, bathing suit, you know, because we knew she was going to rise through fame. And again, you know, visual effects was willing to help us out. They needed to erase, like, some kind of line or something, you know, on her leg or her back or something. But you know, I think, you know, that's together exactly how I thought it would, would go. And, um, you know, the thing, when I when I read Abaddon and I, I'd seen the previous episodes, I knew they wanted to look. You know, she sort of had that, like, um, you know, rockabilly 50s, 60s greaser look, and I knew they wanted to change it. And I said, the only thing I would say don't change at all is the bright red lipstick and the bright red nails. And they were like, oh, no, that's... You know, and to me, that was that mm-hmm. was what what yeah, you know. That's you, definitely you, become an, an iconic part of her character. Yeah, yeah, you lock yes, into that. You, definitely. So, yeah, so we're all on the same page when it came to that. I miss her. Abaddon made me do a T-shirt though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanted to give her a little more of a leather biker kind of vibe, and um, I don't know what else you know what other havoc she's going to wreak in the future episodes. But um, man, was she great to work with? A lot of fun, and you know we had some friends in common from other shows, so her and I got along really well. She's definitely become a fan favorite. I mean, there's 
already tons of people cosplaying her at conventions and everything. <laughs> I think she tweeted today that she wanted to know if anybody wanted her to ride a motorcycle in Supernatural. She said, She's, oh, she definitely wrong. wants to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, you yeah. know, they could put her in a ton of different situations, and it's a, it's a great character for that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, switching gears from... Switching gears from Demon to Angel, um, in this episode we got the big reveal of Ezekiel's powers, which obviously is visually affects uh, the visual effects department's well-doing, but um, how was it written in the script as far as, like, the reveal of his wings and that? Like, how was that detailed? Yeah, it was com- uh, just written. Um, you know, we've gotten, you know, that stuff, you, you know, you kind of have the concept of what it's going to look like. And they said, you know, the big difference is instead of the beautiful wings, you know, sort of unfurling, that these are going to be a little... little uh, tweaked and broken and 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 threadbare, for the lack of a better word. Um, so yeah, that was sort of you know just as written that you know he kind of comes to you know he uh, you know J- Jared really wanted to like spring his uh, his you know wrist and and knock the one one um, you know Jesse Hutch who played the um, the one Navy, the main Navy SEAL wanted to launch him. So you know that turned into a bit of a stunt and. Um, you know that sort of sets in motion. Oh my gosh! You know, this is—he's—he's. He's, in other words, he's supernaturally strong for for Sam, who just got really beat up badly by these three guys. And then um, once he, you know, stood up and uh, sort of did that stretch. I mean, that was sort of just as as you know scripted, and um, it kind of fell right in exactly how I thought it would go. So it was uh, it was cool. It worked out great. Because um, I, you know, I didn't see it until the rest of the world on uh, on Tuesday night. I mean, I get I get like previs kind of things emailed to me um, from Grant, you know, the, in the visual effects department. But you know, to see it in the context with you know with the, all the visual, you know, all the sound effects and the music and everything, it's uh, it worked great. It was very effective. Um, Susan, did you have a question about Abaddon? I I, I did. The scene where uh, it's kind of a kind of a face off between Abaddon and Dean, there's some just all sorts of crackling energy and kind of kind of lust and 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 attraction and you know are, you know are we gonna are we gonna fight are we gonna make out and it's the the chemistry between Elena and Jensen was great and I just that's a, such a, a memorable scene I just wondered if you talk about it a, a little bit because they were great. Yeah, well, the one thing I remember, and this is like, you know, and kind of fun to reveal, is that um, we were trying to get, uh, there was something going on, Comic-Con. We were trying to get on a, because Jared, we had, and Jared got on a flight, I think earlier, the night before, and Jensen was trying to, you know, if we get, he was like, guys, we can get me out of here by like four, I can get on the 540 or whatever I want. I can't remember the details, but um we said, we'll try, and so I remember just shooting that scene really fast. But, again, you know, you're in the hands of, of two really, really good actors, and, you know, they just get it, and, um, you know, rehearsing really quick, okay, we're going to be here, we're going to be here, we're going to be here, and um, there's no messing around, uh, you know, and, and you know, J- Jensen really appreciates the speed at which we move. We got that scene, and then we had to have him hang around a little bit more because we then threw Todd Scott through the glass and had to have him come, you know, have, have Jensen – recreate like sort of shaking off the cobwebs 
as he comes to, you know, in the in the, in the storefront. And once he jumped out and, and threw around left and right and then exited frame, it was like he just kept running to the trailer and uh, Cliff took him to the airport. So, um, <laughs> um, but no, there was it was a lot of fun and, and you know I can't I don't want to repeat some of the words I used, but I said basically you know, I just whispered to both of them in this scene you are trying you know the, there's 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 a something being implied here and there's some subtext. And the subject is, and they were, they were both like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, get it. So it was like, <laughs> you know, we, we, knew, we, we knew we were going down that road, and it was, and it was, it was fun. I mean, it was, it was written well, and, and that was one where I thought that they might line cut some of the stuff out, but they left most of it intact. I mean, there may be a line here and there, but, you know, I don't miss it, whatever it was. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't watch the show and go through the script at the same time, so whatever line they may have lifted, I don't, I don't miss it all, and... Um, it was uh, it was pretty great, yeah. I mean, there was some some nice stuff. I remember we talked about her digging her fingers more into uh, the tattoo, and um, maybe if it, it, even adding a little bit of CGI blood, like she's she's actually breaking his skin. But uh, it didn't really need it. I mean, once she once she says, "I can rip this thing off and get it, you know, and, and do what I need to do inside of you, and you know, have my way with you." Um, you don't, you know, you don't need to go that next extra bit with um, where she's mm-hmm. about to do it because she could, she could do it right there and then. So, um, yeah, it was cool. It was a great scene, a lot of fun, and uh, we shot it fast. Yeah, the, that was a fun line, you know. And then I'll blow smoke up your ass, which is, you know, has a couple several different meanings, you know. For, <laughs> yeah. You know, the usual way. There's serious double entendre going through that whole thing, you know, yeah. and, and, it, and it's like, it's like. Um, you know all those lines that she was saying. It's like you know everybody that that every every girl that's a fan of of Jensen's. That's all the things that they would like to say to him in real life. You know, it's like you know, it's like it's like you know life imitating art, imitating life imitating art. So yeah, it was cool. It was cool, and uh, and, and you know everybody had a good time with that. Good. Okay, I I always wanted. Did Osric actually shoot the bow? Or, you know, did someone else shoot a bow? Or no, was the bow even shot at all? No, no, no yeah. bow at all. And you know what's funny? You know what's funny? It's all CGI. Um, I've been doing a lot of episodes of Arrow, and we do a ton of, like, Arrow stuff. And that always blows away when they go, um, God, he's so accurate with the bow and arrow. It's like, well, there's never a real arrow on set, ever. I mean, if you think about it, it's a weapon, and it's a deadly weapon. And even just for rehearsals or just to, like, Put it in the in the bow and pull the the string back. You basically can, you know, if it goes off accidentally, you know, you know if it goes in somebody's leg or it goes into, you know, it's a deadly weapon. So, actually, scene in particular, we got a message early on um, during the prep that we wanted to shoot that and get it done quick because uh, Don needed to cut it because they were going to show it at Comic Con. So it's like we shot it really quick. Uh, Edited it, you know, went down immediately to L.A. Don cut it real quick, sent it to me. And I, you know, just said, yeah, it looks it looks good to me. And Don even put in a temp, sort of, you know, to the extent that he can do it in the in the Avid, the editing machine, um, you know, fake CGI arrow hitting the wood. Um, so um, and that looked great. So we didn't. I think the the one that they showed at Comic Con was was just the temp in one. Um, I mean, he had like the the crossbow and the crossbow with the string, but there was no actual arrow. The only real arrow we had was just one that we put into the wood for Jensen to pop, pull out, 
when he gives him the Katniss line. But um, yeah, it's, it's funny. It was funny when you know I said, "Really, bow and arrows again?" Okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was it was fun working with Osric again in that scene when he uh, he starts to leave and you know he tells him that you know we're family, you know you me, um, you know Sam cast. Um, I told Jensen on the last take. I said I said you can go off script and you can tell him whatever you want and, and you know tell him you know we, look we love you man and go away off script. Because uh, I want to get some emotion out of him, and he goes, "All right, all right, I'll do it." And so, Jensen does his the same lines that you know Osric's been listening to, and on that last the take we used is the one where he a uh, couple teardrops came down, and uh, I said, "Cut!" I ran in there, and Jensen looked at me. He goes, "I didn't need to give him anything. It's there. It's there." And he was absolutely yeah. right. You know, it was like he could have. You know, I, I'd given Jensen the okay to go off script and, and say whatever you want to him to get him emotional, but uh, Oz is pretty. Damn good actor, so it wasn't it wasn't too difficult. Um, mm. but it was good. I mean, I, I you know you, you didn't want it too sappy. You didn't want it to be like you know soap opera. But I, I thought it it it, it, tread, it 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 walked the line, and uh, I think we got it sort of right exactly where it needed to be. Mm. Oz, that was, was a great he was, scene. He was flipping amazing in the whole episode. The scene where he confronts Crowley and. Yeah. He, hits him a couple times. That was just yeah. a great, great scene. Yeah, yeah. It was it was funny because it was you know it was scripted that after he says uh, go ahead and let it out that he was going to grab some kind of torture device and really have his way with Crowley and then we all sort of agreed. Well, you know if you hit somebody in the head with a hammer once, if it doesn't split open their skull, it's going to kill them. And so he so we all sort of agreed where the best visual to come to come back to show that he did something was just this bloody hammer landing in the foreground, which is what we did. And then we just really bloodied up and made complete hamburger out of Mark's knuckles. And he said, yeah, I mean, just have him slam on my knuckles a few times because that, you know, and I, you know, I had a broken hand about a year ago, so I know what it's like to have your hand slammed and uh, it's, it's very painful. So I said, you know, sold because, you know, yeah, we already had blood and stuff on Mark's face, so we weren't going to do too much, you know, and, and, and prosthetic-wise, we didn't want to add too much, so... So that, that worked out great because the hammer lands in the foreground, you know, having been dropped by, by Kevin and then you tilt up and you see the, you know, complete mess that he's made of his knuckles. Um, so that worked out good. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like what you don't see. It's yeah, like exactly. You don't, you really know, and it was written that way. It was written that way. I mean, Andrew, mm-hmm. you know, he's, He's a filmmaker, so he, you know, it's like sometimes you get scripts that are that are you know, sort of everything is, you know, out there, and and you know, as a film, you know, as a director, you say, well, you know, I've got a cool idea here. Now this is crazy, but how about we never see this, and we just at the beginning of the thing, he throws the, you know, the bloody glove on the ground or something, and then, you know, so in other words, it was it was in the script already, and sort of described very well, and so at that point, it's just up to me to to interpret it, or I always say up to me to screw it up, and hopefully, you know, the pressure's on to not screw it up. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, worked out good. And speaking of Crowley, uh, the scene where he is remembering the things that happened in the um, Sacrifice, the season eight finale, was yeah. that to show that he is still maybe partially cured? Yeah, yeah, exactly, because uh, the, the sort of the way we toned it, you know, with Jeremy was... Um, it's sort of like he's trying to not have these thoughts in his head. It's like um, 
they're there, and he's trying to get rid of them. And you see, even at one point, Mark shakes his head real quick, like, ah, I can't, I can't think about this. I can't, you know, I'm bad. I'm evil. I'm, you know, a horrible person, or you know, I'm king of hell. And so, um, yeah, that was sort of that was sort of the idea that there's there's still this this uh, a bit of humanity. And, and, and Sam even says, I saw you. I, you know, I know it's there. Um, so, you know, keeping that alive again, I don't know. I haven't read any scripts past you know one and two, so I don't know what the future is with that sort of storyline, but um, that was the idea to keep that, that idea that he still has this, this bit of humanity in him that's trying to get through. And, we, and, and it was also scripted that we were going to pull clips from the season finale. Um, it was definitely scripted that, you know, so we just had to kind of time it out. We did like a dolly slide around from the back of his head and um, probably just one tighter shot of him, you know, right as a light and then a big, super big and wide of him in the middle of the devil's trap when um, Kevin comes in and clicks the lights on to look. She, I think he's down there looking for for um, info. Yeah, I, I think I think in the previous scene, Dean tells him, you know, find whatever information you can on, you know, something. But anyway. From Twitter at Lynn East wanted to know if you could tell us about shooting the shot with Crowley in the trunk. Oh. It, uh, amazing how that worked because we only had Mark for the first two days of photography I think which were like I think it was like a Thursday Friday or something like that so we had to get him and Oz done in those two days so anything in the mental letters anything in the uh, you know that the the, the basement or wherever the, the records room where they're keeping Crowley and that shot of him in the trunk we had to get those days so we weren't we knew where we were going to shoot the, the the other side of it where the at the rest stop where the guys are you know taking a breather and he says you know I'm going to show you the junk in my trunk so but we didn't have Mark that <laughs> day because line. this was this was this was the, yeah, I know, this was the next week yeah yeah I liked um um fear we'd zero dark thirty is ass um yeah but uh, so we basically had to do that trunk shot stage inside and so uh, you know Serge again you know unflappable and, and immensely talented, said, yeah, I mean, we don't have to, because I assumed we would take the car out to the back, you know, where we have all the trailers and catering and everything. He says, no, we can just do it right here on stage. And it's amazing how well that, that matches where you would never not, you would never know that those were shot completely, you know, four or five days apart in completely different parts of the city, you know, one in one interior and one clearly exterior. Um, so, yeah, there you go. There's a, a, a very talented cameraman that made it look you know, seamless. Wow! Yeah, you never would have known that. That was really cool. Yeah, if you and you, you know, I, I've watched it a couple times. I'm like, man, oh man! I mean, it's like, it's it's pretty seamless. I mean, and you know, we wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, do the the first reveal where the trunk goes up and you see Crowley immediately. Cut back to the boys, and you know, just when you cut back to the boys from inside the trunk, it just timed out where the sun is like almost directly behind. Jensen's head and almost flares out the camera a little bit but you know I mean if we would have shot that you know five minutes earlier five minutes later it would have been not in the perfect spot Um, and then when we cut back to the trunk I wanted to start on the devil's trap that was painted on the interior on the underside of the trunk lid and then tilt down and so that's you know sort of exactly as planned that's the way we cut it and it works great so you know the audience understands oh that's why you can't get out of there because he's completely inside, you know, a devil's trap is keeping him there. And we had him all hog-tied and chained up and everything, too. It was pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) 
not for Mark, but for everybody else, it was pretty pretty fun. Is <laughs> when when he's in the Men of Letters dungeon, and Mark and as as Crowley is in one spot, one chair. He's chained. He can't move. Does that mm-hmm. bring any kind of particular directing? Difficulties, or is it easier that because because he doesn't move, and usually most of the time characters in an episode in a in a scene move, the actors move. Yeah, yeah I mean it, it becomes a challenge because you want it, you know you want each scene to kind of feel like it's not stagnant. So um, I mean we jump the jump the screen you know the line the screen direction scene to scene. Um, the nice thing about that set is you can pull some of the walls out. I don't think we ever did though. I mean I think the wall directly behind him and the and the wall the opposite of the torture implements. Those you literally can unscrew those with, you know, screw gun and pull the wall and you have tons of room for the camera. I don't think we ever did that. Um but we have that ability and you know those are those are, you know, what the production designer will build into the, the, the sets. So you have that, you know, the the ability to do that. Um no, those scenes went pretty pretty smooth too. I mean I think those were like the first couple days of photography. I think we started in mental letters I think the, the very first stuff we shot on day one, um, we brought in Oz first, and we did like uh, his side of the phone calls when he gets the coordinates, and when he uh, does the Kevin Frickin solo speech to the um, to, to Bates. Um, I think yeah, I think we did all that first, and then we uh, probably moved into the main area. Um, but uh, no, I mean I, you know it's uh, I would hate to spend every every scene in there but I think it was you know what a total of like three four five scenes so we just mixed it up as much as you could knowing that one of your characters was chained down and was not moving you know big story point mm-hmm. you can't you know you can't show him that, that there's any way he can get out of there I mean we imply that Kevin lets him go but um, but you know in the end he doesn't um, again Bardic voice on Twitter she um, wanted. She said, "Big props for the setup and shot of the bullet through the sniper scope." And yeah. could you talk us through working with the VFX folks on that shot? Yeah, that was a surprise to me. Uh, it was great. I mean, we we put a camera way up there. I think on that day we brought in a third camera. We brought sent those guys up high. Um, you know, it was part of Falling Sky sets. Uh, it was a perch where they put lights. So we put a camera up there because we knew we wanted to do sniper point of view and, and that. You know, the visual effects department was going to put the the scope, sort of the, the you know the, the the hash marks and the numbers, but it, it shattering was a surprise to me. It was pretty cool because we, everybody kind of assumed that we would get Sam's point of view looking up at the the sniper, and I said, no, nah, I don't think we, we don't need it. I don't want to shoot it. We don't need to shoot it. So, you know, to show why the sniper never kept shooting at him. It's, it, that was kind of a neat idea that he, he basically he's, he's a pretty good shot with a pistol because uh, you know that's that was that that probably could have killed the guy, um, you know if it, if it got the glass of the of the of the scope. But uh, no, that was pretty cool. It was a great great little just again you know it's like everybody brings a little bit of the the, uh, the ingredients to the table to make the pie and you know I bring a slice of pie and everybody brings a slice of pie so it's really nice when when everybody is is brings in everything and so you know at the very end you know film being a collaborative art everybody brings in something that you know makes it whole and complete and um no i was i was pleasantly surprised to see that it was pretty great 
can you tell us about what um, the casting for the new hunters, Herb and Tracy, what you were looking for when you cast those two actors? Uh, you know, Irv, uh, I never worked with Paul Ray. I kind of knew his work, and then uh, you know, I saw his audition because he came up from L.A. Um, Paul's, you know, one of those journeymen kind of, um, you know, can do anything, bad guys, good guys. Very uh, um, authentic New Orleans accent. Um, uh, I saw Paul's audition. I said, man, he's pretty great. You know, and, of course, I think, you know, without even shining too much of a light on it, he was sort of, you know, a bit of a, of a Bobby Singer um, you know, it, uh, that same school, that same class of, um, you know, sort of, uh, you could see that him and Bobby, you know, were could have been good friends at one time. Uh, Olivia was, a, was a, a girl from Vancouver. We, you know, we met a few people in L.A. and a few from, in Vancouver. Olivia sort of fit the bill for, um, you know, that first, when we meet her and the, um, you know, the, the vamp and the creeper van pulls up, it was sort of described as, you know, Michael Bay uh, style, uh, well, Maybe that's the wrong description. Uh, um, uh, Ma- uh, Megan Fox and Transformers style introduction for Tracy. Of course, she's luring, hopefully, a vampire into her her trap, and, and it works. It works perfect because she she gets what she needs. Um, and then you know they they sort of they sort of have some of the same traits that we that you know as as you know, fans of the show you, you've seen in other hunters. And, uh, you know, we didn't have to, I didn't have to do too much in the way of, you know, describing sort of the, the, the you know, what what their motivations are in life. And and then even the guy who uh, they hang, um, I think it was Pete, you know, he was a local actor in Vancouver, um, and he sort of had the same, you know, wardrobe style as, as Sam and Dean and probably, you know, knew them at some point and, and you know, the same kind of vibe, um, and so even the same kind of dialogue. You know, when when uh, when the Navy SEAL is telling him, you know, we want want information, want information. He says, "Bite me, crew cut." You know, that's something that Sam or Dean easily would have said to to, to somebody. You know, if they were in that position. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was the idea. It's just you know, familiar type of uh, you know people to inhabit the, the, the characters that, uh, that are, are the hunters. I think we did okay. I love Paul. Paul and I have been keeping in touch, and I want to work with him on something in the future because he's, he's a ball of energy and a lot of fun and a really good guy. I have to say I absolutely love the actress who was the grandma demon. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> she's great. She's a local, she's a local uh, Vancouver lady that works all the time up there who I had never met before. But um, Harvey, our key grip, knew her really well because Harvey's daughter is an actress on a, um, a show called Mr. Young, um, which I think is a Disney XD or something channel show. And um, and that actress, and her name escapes me, but um, she plays like a grandmother it's on that Paula show. Shaw. Yeah, Paula so, when Shaw. Paul, so, when Paul, so when Paula showed up, Harvey was like, what are you doing here? She's like, what are you doing here? So it was pretty, it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, so Harvey, Harvey knew, has known her for years, and she's crazy about uh, Harvey's daughter, Matreya. So it was, it was like old home week when she came to, to work. And, man, was she, she a blast. She just got it. She, she, she had a really good time with it. Because I said, yeah, you're in this body, but, you know, you're, you're, you're a demon, man. You're, you're evil. And uh, she's like, oh, this is going to be fun. So. Yeah, you know, we auditioned a, a bunch of ladies, and she sort of felt like the most genuine and the one that would be the most fun to watch. You know, say those lines. You know, no offense, honey, but uh, you know, we, we sort of thought you thought you were dead up until about a week ago. Um, yeah, yeah, she did great. No, I was really happy with that scene. Yeah. It worked out really good. 
and I didn't think about it before, but she's right. You know, kids love Grandma Demon. What a great way to get yeah. them to say yes to a deal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I cleared 72 deals last year. Yeah, it was, that, that was a cool scene. They, they line cut a little bit of that because there was a line in there where she says something about she uh, Abaddon sort of uh, foreshadows the fact the fact that she's going to you know basically build her own little army by um, going to a navy base. But she says something about um, and then we're going to see if we can be all we can be. Of course, which is a you know famous line from you know the, the armed services. And I, that got cut. I can't remember. There's a few lines that got trimmed. That was a pretty long scene. And uh, and you know, Alana had to kind of go. Elena had to kind of go up and down, and in the same way every time. So she matched every time she turned back to Grandma. And um, so yeah, it was it was, it was a lot of work because it was it was a lot of her walking up and down. But it sort of need need to be that way. I mean, it was like you know a drill sergeant. It was you know it was full metal jacket, um, or at least that's the way I approached it. And and we sort of had we blocked it out in a way where every time, right before Paula would say a line. Elena would be all the way down at the at the far end, and so her head would always have to turn, and she'd get right in her face. So it's like the mo- you know the grandma, the one that seemed the most docile, was the most lippy, and uh, it just made it funnier to me that that every time she says something really you know profound, the grandma goes whatever, whatever, and it turns her back, and she has to go get in her face again. So it worked out good. Uh, you know, I was worried because I knew we were probably gonna have to line cut that, or you know, you sort of plan for plan for that that contingency and um and I thought well continuity's going to be all off because she'll be at one point you know she'll be at one end of the the four of them and then we'll cut back and she'll she'll have you know gone through you know gone through space and time to get in front of grandma but it, it, you know I looked at it a couple times and it worked out fine so whatever lines it took out obviously you don't miss or I didn't at least all right someone else has got to have a question I do. I've been I've been debating on whether to ask it or not because it's kind of a doofy question, but I liked what it represented. Uh-huh. Um, so Dean brings Kevin food, and he clearly brings him prune juice, and we know why he brings it to him, and it's, it's indicative of the fact that Dean's paying attention and he cares. So yes, yep. it's a goofy thing, but it shows that he cares. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was funny. Because yeah, you have a shot where it's lingering on that, and was that part of the script or was that something that was developed after like you know been working through the scene i'm sure it was in the script but it was never um you know there's no see a lot of times things are in the script but unless it's called out by a, a, a line of dialogue um sometimes they don't you know the, those little details get get glossed over um and, and maybe it isn't uh it may it might have been a, a an idea from chris cooper the props man um I'm, it's got to be in the script because I remember, you know, we sort of talked about it because I, I remember, you know, sort of wanting that that style bottle because we always do a, sh- a prop show until like the day before we shoot. And I remember look, looking at the bottle and going, yeah, that's sort of that classic, you know, um, juice style bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have it's to a very get, organic our, juice kind of thing. Yeah, we have to do our own label that's, you know, our own artwork, you know, like Biggerson's or, you know, Bing Bongs or whatever that, that is. So I, I'm sure we approved that, but but I love that little detail, and I didn't want to gloss over it too much. So I had I had as Dean runs down to see if Crowley's still locked up, I had him put the bucket of chicken and, and prune juice down, and then the idea was that as he comes back up to to uh, 
grab Kevin or make sure Kevin you know hasn't bailed yet that we would start on it and it all happens kind of quick but you know it doesn't it also doesn't pay off too much other than you know if you remember back when you know when he first when first fires the crossbow arrow at, at Dean when he comes in he goes man I'll, everything starts freaking out I'm a little backed up and okay that's an overshare mm-hmm. so the, yeah. hopefully the audience remember you know you remember that and you so you you know we all know what prune juice is good for Right. Well, and that's why I ask because usually, you, you know, if it's something like that, like you said, there's a line calling out to and there was no line calling out to it. So as a viewer, you really have to be paying attention threefold, really. Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I it's, thought it was it's a really also, nice detail because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a it's a characterizational part of theme that's not yeah. overt. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a classic, uh, you know, road junk food that you can go through the drive-thru and get a bucket of chicken, and, you know, it's like, it's sort of, you know, that's Dean's palate is kind of, um, you know, it's it's not very sophisticated, and that's fine. I mean, we, that's what we love about him, and, you know, his love of pie and all those things. So, yeah, I love I love those details. And, again, you know, you don't, it's, it's as a director, I'll never get yelled at by the executive producers for not making a big deal over something like that. Um, and you know, the, then the props, you know, that that becomes part of the props breakdown, so it's available for us. And but you know, some some directors will go, ah, we don't need it. Just have them come in with nothing. Or you know, uh, I love that stuff. I love Easter eggs. I love like looking back later and going, oh look, there's the same, um, you know, symbolism and metaphor and all that stuff. And um, you know, I, it, there's there's to me that's the fun of what I do. And you know whether it's finding a motif of a color or a sound or something that can play through the whole episode. Um, you know, the, sort of the, the last scene when, you know, Sam talks about how everything's kind of good right now and first time, you know, in a long time. And, you know, I, all, the only thing I remember saying to Jensen is, um, you know, we're going to do this pull away where we see that you guys are on separate, you know, you can see there's like a column between the two of them. So it's like a symbolic kind of, you know, divide between the two of them. We didn't make a big deal of that, but, Basically, he can't even look at him. I mean, Sam said all this stuff about, I feel good, everything's great, everything's wonderful, what could go wrong? And, uh, you know, something to that effect. And as we dolly back, you realize that, that uh, Dean can't even look him in the eyes. He, he can't He can't even bear to look at him. And it's just, uh, you know, it's sort of heartbreaking knowing that he's got this great secret that he, there's no way he can tell him. And what's it going to be for the future? You know, and for me, I I, I can't. I don't know what the future is. I mean, I didn't, again, I didn't read episode three, but sort of guess based on the questions I've asked. So I guess I'm not guessing, but I can, I can kind of glean that, that this is going to be the source of a lot of craziness going forward this, you know, season nine. And that's fun. And it, it's set, the storyline that it's setting up for the season, I think, is I have been so excited for this season. It, it's really, to me, feels like, you know, one of the best seasons in a in a long time. Even though I've loved every season, this one just seems like it's just more. I don't know. It's just I'm more excited for this season than mm-hmm. I usually am, and I'm a huge yeah. fan, so that says a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, uh, you know, I unfortunately the sort of the way it lays out this season, I, I don't I don't go back till the very end. I'm gonna I'm, I'm booked to do episode nine twenty two, which would be fun because that'll be probably part one of this two-part big season finale, and uh, I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, I'm excited that they had the faith in, in me to do the first episode and one of the last. And But, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I miss everybody. I'd lo- I would love to do more. But, you know, it's just, 
you know, there's there's a lot of directors out there, and you know, and fortunately, I was able to uh, get a bunch of episodes of Arrow, and you know, this new show, Tomorrow People, which is uh, has been a blast to to shoot and be part of um, all over again. Because I feel when I did the episode, it felt like Arrow did a year ago, where it was like hadn't aired yet. We hope they like us. Um, we're working our butts off, and we can't wait for people to to see it. And you know, again, hopefully, we'll get a back nine, and maybe that'll turn into a season two. And so. Having gone through that with Arrow, it's, it was fun to do that with Tomorrow People. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have done some more episodes, but uh, you know, it's just the way it works. I'm enjoying Tomorrow People. The two episodes that have aired, I've really enjoyed them. Yeah, it's, and, and they keep getting better and better. Um, mine will air, I, what, not next week, not next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. It was the fourth one. Um, and then I would, was supposed to be prepping right now a new show in LA called uh, Intelligence. Uh, for CBS, and um, the lead actress, um, an actress who's actually been on uh, Supernatural, Megan Ori, um, had appendicitis. Oh. Oh. And they, call, they called me and said, we have to push your schedule two days. And I was like, okay, but I have to be in Vancouver to start Arrow on, you know, on, the, on the 5th of November. Then they called a couple days later and said, well, Megan's doctor said she can't work this whole week, so we're shutting down for three days. So we've got to push you for five days, and and it, that, at that point, it doesn't work. So mm. unfortunately, I can't do intelligence. But uh, you know, again, hopefully they'll get picked up for a back nine, and they'll invite me to come be part of it next season, or not next season, but they're they're, they're only set to do thirteen, an initial thirteen. It's a mid-season mm-hmm. show, so they're going to start airing probably after the first of the year, and. If it goes well and they get more, maybe I'll get to go back. But that's I, I hate I hate that because you know it's like it would have been fun to do a new show, you know, especially in LA. Josh Holloway from Lost is the lead, and so anyway. Mm-hmm. And Megan was Little Red Riding Hood on Once Upon a Time, right? She was, yeah, yeah she was. Yeah. I think yeah. she yeah. was in the, I think she was in Adventures in ba- uh, in Babysitting. Yep, she was uh-huh. Sally or something. Supernatural. Yeah, she's in fact she's from Vancouver. She lives in LA now. Obviously, That's just going to say how interesting that usually we have LA-based people having to go film in Vancouver, and now we have this Vancouver actress coming <laughs> to film in LA. Right, <laughs> I find yeah, that, that's crazy. I find that interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I never, I've never even met her. I mean, she obviously she when I went, I went down to visit the set a couple of days before um, my prep because I know a lot of the crew, and um, that's, when, that's when they said, you know, she just had appendicitis, so we're not sure how this is going to work out, but we have a ton of people in common, so, so you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll get together at some point and compare notes. Uh, going back to Supernatural, um, you <laughs> talked to us about um, filming in the Men of Letters bunker, because great set, and you seem to give us some different angles in there that we hadn't seen before. Yeah, you know, I, I loved what I'd seen, or, you know, already what they had done, and so, and I had never shot there before. Um, in fact, it was it was so funny because when when we were shooting um, in Taxi Driver, we had a whole day on the Hell set, you know, where where Bobby is found by by, by Sam and Hell, and they spring out. Um, and it was built right next to the Men of Letters set. And it was like every time I started to go take a look at Men of Letters, everyone was like, "Don't don't go in there. Don't don't do it. Don't do it to yourself," because everybody <laughs> loves that set. And Jerry was like, I'm sorry, man. I, I wish you could shoot there. Anyway, so flash forward to season nine, and, and I have a couple days in there. So, um, no, nah, it's great. It's, it's, it's really you know, rich in, in the way it looks. There's not one bad angle. Um, you can pull a lot of the walls, or at least all those bookshelves and any of those columns are all pretty wild, so they all you know, unscrew, and you can move around, and they're pretty good. 
Um, yeah, I don't think I did anything to reinvent the wheel in there. Um, it was, uh, it's, it's a pretty great set. Um, I love the stairs that come down, you know, like, uh, you know, we had Crowley come down with the headphones, you know, the big giant headphones and the, you know, the hood on. Mm-hmm. And then when the guys come down with the chicken and, and produce, I wanted to start on their feet underneath and we did that. And, uh, yeah, it's a great set. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get to shoot in there some more in there. And from what I hear, again, I haven't read the scripts, you know, much like the uh, the records room where they keep Crowley and, you know, there's, you know, they discovered this new room. Evidently, throughout this season, they keep discovering new places and new, uh, you know, things and rooms and corridors to explore. So that's going to be fun for the audience to kind of, you know, see that there's uh, different places to go in mental letters. So it's not just the main bunker there. There's other uh, hallways and, and places to go. But uh, now, there, Was that actually but, Mark Stafford on, with the big headphones and the head covering and all that? It's funny you should say that. It was. It oh, was wow. The, the, it was the kind of thing where I think he we knew he was going to be there for like some kind of wardrobe fitting or any or something that day anyway. I don't think that he did anything else that day because that was day one. And uh, we scheduled him on the, on the thing, you know, on, it was on, it was scheduled on the call sheet. And I remember we got there that day and Mark came up, Hey, how's it going guys? And you know, I had breakfast and I go, why, why is he here? And then, you know, kind of, I, I, you know, I knew, I knew we had Crowley come down the stairs, but that could have easily been a photo double. And it's like, well, he was already here and he's keen to do it and he's happy to do it. And so, so there you go. It was a little longer than that because we saw him at the top. We see him coming down the stairs. We saw him walk. I mean, obviously, we we, we trimmed out all the all the extra bits. But um, and do you think it's easy to be blindfolded and and with headphones on and walk down a set of stairs? With I mean, I guess Jared helped him from falling. But uh, yeah, it wasn't easy. And you know, chained just, up and all that. I just mm-hmm. assumed, you know, like you said, it was a double. That is just crazy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think that he was going to be there anyway for something, or he was he you know he might have even said, hey, you know, I'll, I'll come and do it. You know, why why should you have somebody else come and do it? I'll, I'll do it. It's supposed to be me. You know, let, let me do it. So um, there you go. There's commitment. Oh, Mark's awesome. And, and, and you know, Mark's a, he's a social butterfly, so he's very happy to come and hang with us. And he's good, man. You turn <laughs> that camera on, and he delivers. It's a it's a, it's a it's a real joy. Now, Vinny, come on. I know you have more questions. Oh, did we lose somebody? You for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was enjoying listening. <laughs> I, well, see, I feel like, I, I feel terrible. I feel like I'm using up, I have a ton of questions, and I feel like I'm using up all the question time. No, I just don't like when we talk over each other. So. <laughs> I'm like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, if you don't have, I have another question, then if you don't have one. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. I loved Andrew Dabb's script, and it, it seemed like it was chock full of pop culture references. Did you have a favorite one, maybe? Uh, God, there was a bunch of good ones. Um, yeah, Seal Team Douche. Um, there was a lot. There was a lot. There was there's a couple lines and things that got cut, but I can't remember. I don't know if there were any pop culture references in there. Um, Trying to think. I mean, I, lo- I absolutely love the scene, and it turned out exactly the way I thought it should have when um, when uh, they put they put the, uh, the the MP, the military police lady, on the phone with uh, Kevin, 
and uh, he does exactly what Dean hopes he's going to do. Because if you know, if you if you look at the way the way it's done, he just call it's a complete leap of faith. And if you look at Sam's face, he's like, "Who is our boss that we're put? Who are you putting on the phone with this woman?" I mean, it comes very close to them getting kicked out. I mean, told you, you know you have no you know no right to be here, no credentials, nothing. And um, you know she had that great line about you know I'm going to spank spank your bottom and whatever. And if you if you watch it again, Jensen gave me the best reaction, like, "Ooh, you know." Really, you're gonna do that? <laughs> oh. he's, I mean, he's great at that kind of stuff. Um, and then you know, just sort of how how that scene all laid out, where you see you see Kevin like sort of a different person, and Osric uh, kind of naturally, instead of holding the phone to his ear when he said the Kevin friggin' solo, and when he said, um, "Yes, sir," he just moves the entire phone completely over his mouth, like just right, you know, the mouthpiece of the phone. And that was something he just did in rehearsal, and I never, you know, there's no reason to correct him or whatever. It just worked so well. And we just kind of kept pushing in on him and making him, you know, bigger in frame. And it was great to see him empowered. And it, you know, foreshadows a little bit that he's going to stand up to Crowley, you know, in a subtle way. It doesn't, it wasn't too big. But um, I just, I love that scene, that, all the dialogue in there, where he says, you know, this, this one of you taking a body shop off of somebody in a luchador mask, really classy. Um, I like that whole scene a lot, um, but yeah, there's some great stuff like you know the, the the I can't remember what else what else was was I mean there was that great thing when we when we meet Irv, he talks about the the Siamese the you know, Siamese twin werewolves in Saskatoon oh, yeah. and you know Bobby Bobby told you about that yeah every time he drank Labatt so it was a little shout out to Canada there it was, you know some fun stuff. Um, but you know Andrew's Andrew's the real deal, man. I mean he's uh, he's he's uh, always always fun to collaborate with, um, and uh, you know hopefully there'll be more of that in the future. I did actually have a question that was kind of related to that. I again I didn't want to ask it, but I'm going to. Because of there were so many pop culture references, is there ever a point where like you or any of the actors kind of stop and go, why would Dean make this reference? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think a little strange maybe every, sometimes because they don't have a whole lot of downtime lately. Yeah, I mean, I think every once in a while Jensen will, will throw that, you know, throw that red flag up and go, I don't know why Dean would say this, but, um, but, but rarely. I mean, I think because it, it's so much fun for them to deliver those lines, it's like, why would I, why would I ask them to change it or whatever? Um, yeah, I, I don't. You know, yeah, I guess it, it comes up. I, I haven't experienced it too much. I mean, the one fun thing that I got to do, again, you got you got to kind of be careful when you throw out ideas in, in like meetings because we knew we wanted to do that creeper van for the for the vamp, and so Jeff Budnick, the, the um, you know transportation coordinator, he finds all the picture cars. Put it that way. Um, he showed me a bunch of pictures, and I was like, yeah, that's that's the one. I mean, it's so great. And we I, all I all I asked is that it, it had a uh, the side door. Um, was two doors instead of a sliding door because I, I knew we wanted to do that image of, of you know the vampire dropping out headless, and I thought that was the best way to do it is just barely you know have the doors closed and on action we could you know release it and he could drop onto a pad, and so we found the perfect van for it and I said yeah it'd be great because you know when she gets in there and he and he heads to the back and I think you can assume that uh, you know something's going to happen in a sexual way of course it's not that we re- you know we realize when he comes out headless that 
that she's a hunter. But I said, it'd be great. I could start on a bumper sticker that says, if this van's a rockin', don't come a-knockin', that old classic, you know, from the 70s, you know, when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. we get there that morning. We get there that morning, and, of course, the set decorator or whoever set dresser, props guys, you go, where do you want the bumper sticker? I go, what bumper sticker? They go, this van's a rockin', don't come a-knockin'. I'm like, no way, they made that. So, so, you know, you, you know Gary and those guys, they always have their ears on. And so uh, I was like, this is great. So we started on it. I mean, it happens quick, but it's there. And then the other okay. thing is there's so, there's a sort of a motif on any episode that I direct that we have some kind of Mopar or some kind of Dodge or Plymouth car in the in the, in the show, and there was no real place to put it. So when we realized we were going to meet Irv, I said, you know, let's have a car for him. And they go, and, you know, Jeff found us this, this great old whatever – Valare or some kind of Chrysler K car from the 80s, and so there's your your Dodge Mopar car in the episode. I have I, I have to say, Osric is just turned out to be such an amazing, great addition to the show. He yeah. is, you know, Kevin Tran went from you know the little you know advanced placement student, you know, with fighting, you know. Go, trying to go to college, and now he's like the go-to guy that Sam and Dean have for research. And when they need help, he's like kind of like a young Bobby. Yeah, and, yeah he's a, and he's a, he's a warrior. You know, he's sort of he's sort of found his his strength. And um, no, it's great. I mean, I you know, I don't again, I don't know that what the future is, but I think you know that's such a great place for for them to go with Kevin. I mean, they can kind of get him in, involved in so many different things. Um, and, you know, Oz is just uh, as good as they get as far as, like, you know, it, it, getting it and enjoying it and, and, and really getting into the character. And um, he's, he's, a, he's a thoroughbred man. He, uh, he put him on the track and he runs. I, I loved it when, you know, Dean included, you know, him and Sam and Kevin and Cass. You know, they're the family, they're friends and family, and they're all they have. And I just, I really loved it, mm-hmm. you know, those four are like the core of the show. And I think it's great that Kevin went from the small part that he had to being like a member of the core of the show. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, 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 yeah, you're right. He's sort of become the new Bobby and, um, and it's great. I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good, he's a good guy to have in that position. And, um, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope they do more with him through the season and hopefully he comes back in nine twenty two. We will have yeah. to keep our fingers crossed. We don't want anything to happen to Kevin. <laughs> I know. Yeah, from from your eyes to the writer's ears, because as soon as Dean was like, "Your family, I love you. We die for you." I was like, "Oh, please don't kill Kevin. It's too good. It's too nice." <laughs> I'm so worried now. Nobody is now safe. Was you know we have to ask this every time. Was there anything that might get make it to the gag reel? Uh, yeah, there was a whole bit. In fact, it's the part when uh, after um, Kevin dresses down the uh, MP and she hands the phone back and she walks away. Um, you see Jared kind of give Jensen a, a thing like, "I'm going to go have a look around. You cool?" And so he goes, "Yeah," and he walks around. Well, when we shot that scene, there was some more dialogue there between Jensen and uh, and, and Osric. And so every time we did that, you know, Jared would go around the side of the bus. Well, of course, he can't just hang out the side of the bus. So one take, he, he starts honking the horn. Another take, <laughs> he goes back to the back of the bus, and he goes, Hey, Dean, like over the dialogue, Dean, 
Dean, he's knocking on the window. He goes, "There's a there's a dead body in here, buddy." You know, it's like he couldn't. He could, and of course, in the, the you know, the Brad the Brad Creaser, the camera operator, he pans over with the roll focus to him. And you know, Jensen's in the foreground trying to act. You know, one side of a phone call. He looks over. He goes, "Brad, I can see you panning." So don't tell me. So yeah, hopefully that'll make it. It was really funny and. Um, it was great because Jared kind of played up the, uh, hey, this, this is a really nice bus. You should come check it out. <laughs> so I'm sure, I mean, I'm not sure, but I hope they put some of that in the gag reel for season nine because it was, it was a lot of fun. That was my last day. I remember that was my last day. and it was, We were losing the light, and it was getting uh, later and later. And, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was good. It was still a short day. It was still like a 10 and a half, 11-hour day. It wasn't even a bad day. Um, it was uh, this is the kind of thing where uh, you know we just wanted to get it done and move on, but but everybody felt comfortable enough to mess around a little bit and get some good gag reel footage. Oh, that sounds hilarious! I hope it makes. <laughs> yeah, I hope it makes it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there's other stuff that I can't remember. I mean, it, you know, these guys are so good at it now. And nowadays, or shit, I mean, how many seasons they've been doing this? They yeah, there's a high sign that you know the, the camera operator gives to the sound guy to the you know and you know to Jared and Jensen and they just start rolling on their own, so they don't ne- you don't necessarily have to be you know in other words you don't have to say oh let's do one more and do that crazy gag you guys did they'll do it in one take and then the next take it's just accepted that we'll we'll get it and you know of course it's always marked on the on the you know the camera reports that this is a gag and save it for the for the reel at the end of the year. Okay. Cool. So is that it? You guys have any more questions? I don't actually. <laughs> so we had a, I feel we had like a little... you covered a good amount of stuff. But there's so much our... yeah. early in the season, there's so much we can like that nobody can talk about. Like, so even though you, you know a bit, I'm sure. Let's <laughs> talk about it. So we had I, I, prom, I promised my eight-year-old sushi tonight because we had a little death in the family. Our hamster of a year that we had that, like, we never thought was going to live this long. Well, we found her asleep with her eyes open this morning, quote unquote. Aww, and uh, no. so, so we got we got to go do some. Uh, got to go spill out a little uh, 40, 40 ounce malt liquor for uh, for, for Hammy the hamster in the form of sushi. So uh, um, I'm sure she's wait, waiting waiting patiently for me to get off the phone. Okay. Well, you need to get to your wake. Yeah. Yeah, get to my wake exactly. Well, look, if, if yeah. schedule permitting, um, they've, they've asked me to come to um, the Las Vegas convention. So, if uh, unless I book something in that in that slot in March, um, I, I'm probably going to make it. So, if, if you missed out something here, just find me there. And uh, if, if you guys are going, and uh, it's fun to see everybody. We will definitely give you a shout yeah. out. Okay, Becky cool. And I are most most likely going, so yeah. No, I hear I, I hear it's just like the 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 mo- the mother of all conventions because it's, it's like it's gonna you know, be four days this year, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should it should be fun, and so and so you know my wife and and my eight year old have never experienced that, so we're we're gonna we're gonna make a weekend of it. Cool. They they better rest up for a whole week before. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Hello, I may get a, I, I may get a job, so it may not work out. But then again, you know, it's on a weekend, so maybe I can I can sneak down to, to do it. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll I'll know a lot more here, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. 
Uh, we'll Lord. let you go and get to your hamster's wake and give your little girl <laughs> our love and tell her we're very sorry for her loss. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's it's she, hard. No, she's milking. She's milking it for everything it's worth. So, uh, so she's oh. uh, she's she's a little crushed. She's a little sad, but then it's like you know. But daddy, can we go get some sushi tonight? So yeah, cal- typical California kid. <laughs> Uh, and drown her, drown her sorrows in uh, raw fish. She and, knows. Uh, she knows how to make it. <laughs> you know what will make me feel better, Daddy? A new iPad. Yeah, well, yeah, I, hear, I hear that every once a week. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Well, it was great. Always fun. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, guy. We appreciate it. Okay. Okay, you bet. Thanks a lot. Great. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, now we going to talk about the show now ourselves. Yes, sorry, yes. I've just been I I I hadn't been home all day, so I'm doing like fifty thousand different things while we were doing this. So <laughs> sorry, guys. Oh, it's okay. I, I had to feed. I had to feed my dog. I had to do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I was just worried that I was like, you guys are like, God, Becky, shut up. We have some questions to ask. <laughs> No. I just, I yeah. really, like, sometimes we all get so excited that we talk over each other, and then it right. makes a jumble. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I love We can't help it because love we can't episode. see each other for any visual cues that somebody's about to ask a question. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think we do pretty well, though. So, and, and, no, it's, lots of questions are great. I asked my my two that I was really thinking was the scene with Dean and Abaddon and then the fact that he tweeted that Tommel hadn't been cast yet, so Jared was creating the character of Ezekiel. So that that was I thought that was really cool. So I was very And curious. I had the same I had the same question about Abaddon and Dean because uh, I, I, I feel like part. a terrible person but I really oh I like it. <laughs> I know that's horrible because us uh, you know, she's a demon and Dean Dean's track record with demons is worse than most people's track record with demons, and he was torturing souls in hell. And, but I don't care. I dig it. I really dig the <laughs> Abaddon Dean thing. I don't even care what that says about me. Sorry. And I'm yeah, so glad you that's a little bit, you know, if it's wrong, I don't want to be right, kind of. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's how I felt about Megan Castiel. That's my, that's, that's my ship. And it's super wrong, and I liked it. So I kind of feel like I'm getting a I'm getting a an act two of that. Oh, by the way, if you're listening, and you uh, we can take guest call-ins now. So if you want to call in and talk with us about the episode, just call three four seven two zero five nine eight zero one. I'm I'm so glad you mentioned the print juice, Vinny, because that was one of the things I was going to talk about. Was I love the detail. Of Dean bringing the prune juice. I didn't see that it was prune juice, so it was nice to hear about it. (laughs) Yeah, because the first time when he brings it in with the chicken, I was like, is that? Mm. But then when there is the later, you know, pan to it, and Guy does have the camera linger on it, and I was like, yeah, it is. And it's it's one of those things that could be just like a <laughs> joke, but it's not because what it what it represents is that Dean was listening, that he cares, that he's he's mm-hmm. mother henning, he's doing all the things that are very Dean. And mm-hmm. although I have really strong Dean issues right now, it's nice to see that facet of him. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I, I do have a lot of issues with with Dean right now, but <laughs> that's okay. And you wouldn't have guessed. 
that he would think of that for Kevin, or, or not necessarily think of it for him, but actually do it because he tells Kevin, you know, oh, overshare, you know, like, you know, I don't well, want to hear you know, it. Like well, and, you know, like I said, Dean is someone who's going to just, you know, run through a drive-thru, but in order to stop and get him prune juice, he had to stop at a store mm-hmm. and go into the store. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had to make a separate trip. So mm-hmm. it was something that took took thought. And now I do have to say, like, Dean's whole speech about, you know, I, we'd die for you. Well, yes, you would. And we've, we've learned over the years that Dean Winchester would die for, you know, anybody. As long as Sam isn't in danger. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's the yeah, caveat yeah. with Dean. Like, who wouldn't Dean die for? Come on. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, with the asterisk that as long as Sam's going to come out of it, as long as you surviving doesn't mean Sam doesn't. So right, one of those, right. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable promise that he makes for me. And kind of along that same line, I have to say I loved Dean's reaction when, um, what's her face, Tracy, when she was like, I'm not going with Sam because, you know, my parents got killed from Dean's body ball. And Dean was like, okay, then I'll take the girl, Sam, you go with her, you know. <laughs> I liked how mm-hmm. he was like, well, and not, oh, I did, I not making a thing about it. He's just. I did have a question that I meant to ask Guy, and I had forgotten it. Because in the scene where she pushes Sam, as she's about to push Sam, Dean's in the background walking away, and he turns around to react to it before she's even, like, full on with her shove. And it is that kind of, like, big brother protective thing that he has going. And I meant to ask him about that, and I completely forgot. I'll have to ask him at some other point. (coughs) Excuse me. Ask him in Vegas. Yes, because mm. I did think I did think that that was, you know, again, you have Dean just being just hyper aware of Sam. Mm. I have a, uh, I have a, I have a. Hmm? Go ahead. I was going to say I have a. There's a line of dialogue that I. It's bugging me. I don't know if it was a mistake or if it was purposeful, but it's it's bugging me, and it's when. Um, it's towards the end when Zeke and Dean are, are are talking about it, and Dean says, "You know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still kind of getting used to this. You didn't want me to save your brother, right? You know." And they go back and forth, and and Zeke explains to Dean that he said, "You know, there's, you know, I know what you did. You did out of love," and he says, "It's the reason I said." Yes, and I'm like, but you didn't yeah, say I yes. Yeah, I thought about that. It should have been, the line should be either yes. it's the reason Sam said yes or it's the reason I yes. offered to help. It should yes. be one and of those. So I, yes, and it was it made me crazy. I said, wait, wait, is he sort of like a little thinking? Is he trying to answer as Sam? Is it a is it a mistake? There's there was definitely something going on there. So I think I, it was. I think I think it was a flub that just nobody in editing caught. Mm-hmm. But I do. It did. Bo- it did bother me the first time I watched it because I was like, "Wait, what? Okay." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, and this isn't a, this isn't a miswritten line that or anything, and it's a great sentiment. But I have an issue also with at the end with Sam saying that he's really happy with his friends and family. I'm one of those people that's like, what friends, Sam? You have no friends because everybody is Dean's friend. So it is very much like this 
my friends and my big brother's friends that let me hang out with them sometimes too, I guess, kind of thing. Mm. And so all the family he has is Dean, and then he has all these, like, hanger on, like, all these, like, friends by proxy kind of things. Because we don't get him, we don't get to see him interact with Kevin too much. We don't get to see him interact with Charlie. We don't get to see, you know, Castiel is very much slotted as Dean's friend who is also, is he, you know, him and Sam get along, I guess, kind of thing. You know, we get Castiel saying that, Dean, that Sam is his friend and we get Sam saying that Castiel is family, but we don't, that's a very tell-not-show thing that they've done with those two characters. And so it makes no, me, it's you actually one of those things that makes me sad for Sam, but I'm like, oh, you think this is friendship? I'm sorry for you. So, yeah, that was kind of a bummer. That's one of those, just, you know, overreactive Sam girl things, I guess. <laughs> the, um, the thing you mentioned about the um, Zeke-Sam yes thing, that was, I was kind of, I guess I didn't accentuate it enough. If Mary, Bardic Voice, if you're listening, call in and have a talk with us about it. Because that's what her question was, was, it, she wanted to know in Zeke and Sam's it was, but why I said yes line, was it scripted? She wanted to know, was it scripted for it to be Sam saying it or Zeke saying it? And she oh, loved that what you meant. Yeah, and she loved the choice that they made, she said, by the way. She loved how they, how they what they decided to do with it. So Mary, Barty Voice, if you're listening, call in and talk with us because we all have questions about that line. Well, she just said thank you to Guy on Twitter just a few minutes ago, so she can't be far away. Right. <laughs> Mary, come back. Come back to your phone. <laughs> she may have stopped listening when Guy left. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. Thanks a lot, Mary. She's <laughs> using us for Guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is curious. It is curious. Uh, um, Guy just... Thanks, and that it was fun, and now he's off to Hammy's wake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Hammy. Poor Hammy. I know. Just a year. That doesn't seem like very long, but I guess in hamster time, it's like it's like being in hell. I guess it's just a lot longer. <laughs> Maybe this is Mary. Let's find out. <laughs> Someone's calling in. Oh, nope. Oh, what happened to Benny? Hello. Hey, I'm here. It is Mary. Yes, indeed. You. Go good. Yay, <laughs> Mary! Shaming you into calling. <laughs> I was I was vastly amused because hey, I was sitting here listening to you guys uh, using a headset on my laptop because it's uh, you know much better sound than tinny little crap ass laptop speakers. So there you were calling me out, and it was like, okay, I guess I got to pick up the phone <laughs> <laughs> because although the although the headset uh, does come with a speaker, this is this is one that's my my headset here is crapping out, so I need to actually shift to a different one if I wanted to do this via Skype. So I'm on my phone instead of my Skype. Okay. Anyway, so talk yes. About the line, yes. Okay, one of the things I thought was really, really cool, and, and this is, I'm, I'm dying to see what they do with it, and I, I haven't finished writing my commentary, actually, so, I mean, you're, you're, you're getting this a little bit on the raw side, but one of the things that really struck me about that scene was the whole idea that rather than Ezekiel saying, that's why Sam said yes, in terms of, 
Ezekiel winding up being able to take up residence was he said that's why I said yes and it leads me to wonder if there's some bleed across between Sam and Ezekiel Mm -hmm. precisely because Ezekiel is in Sam's mind and is as as he said he, he said he knows everything that Sam knows and it's like, is he also, because of the rather peculiar position he's in, which is different than the position we've seen any other angel in before, where, yeah, he can take control, but he's spending most of his time in the back seat and not being recognized. Is there something interesting going on about somewhat weakened Ezekiel having taken Sam where there winds up actually being a little bit of confusion about who's in the driver's seat and who's speaking at any given time. Mm -hmm. So it's not just is Ezekiel running Sam, but is Sam unconsciously influencing Ezekiel? Well, Ezekiel is not up to power, you know, I mean he's he's doing well and he's healing yeah. but he's he's a wounded angel and it, it reminds me a little bit of how sometimes actually and I think Jared does it in a little bit, Denton too, is that they they know very well they aren't Sam or Dean but they'll talk as Sam or Dean sometime. He'll say I I did this in a scene whereas Sam did that, Jared didn't but Jared is is Sam, so it's, it's, it reminds me yeah. a little bit of kind of an actor, actor yeah, role. And Jared, Jared has to do this really funny thing where he, he'll speak as about Sam in the first person, but about himself as Jared in the third person. Yeah, it's which really is weird. really, it's very, it's very amusing. But I, I, was, I was really wondering, and, and it's, it's a pity that Andrew Dab, um, although he's on Twitter, doesn't really tweet. Um, because I'd, I'd fascinated. I mean, the, the the reason I threw the question to Guy about what did it actually say in the script, and was there was there any discussion about whether that line was going to come out as, you know, that's why Sam said yes, or that's why I said yes, um, to see if they were deliberately playing with this, or was it one of those things that happens where. You know, I mean, the actor just winds up, hello, this is Sam speaking, or it's it's Ezekiel speaking as Sam (laughs) to say that this was Sam's decision, or was it Ezekiel also saying that he was responding to Dean because Dean called out of love, and that's why Ezekiel came to his assistance in the first place, not so much for the desire to have Dean Winchester owing him a favor, but because he could feel what was behind the call that Dean was putting out and that the reason he responded, he, Ezekiel, responded (laughs) to Dean in the first place was because he, Ezekiel, actually does resonate with the original mission that angels had on earth of being the conservators of heaven and the protectors of humanity and all of those things that made Lucifer so freaking jealous about the position of 
humans versus angels in the world of God. So it played, for me, the way it came out, no matter which way it was written in the first place, the way it came out is so ambiguous that you literally don't know, is Ezekiel speaking for himself in terms of why he responded to Dean? Is Ezekiel speaking, this is why Sam said yes, because he understood that, you know, Dean wanted to help and this is Dean and this is love? In either case, the message is, the response was to love. And I love that. (laughs) Sorry. Mm-hmm. We love love. We're in love with love. <laughs> yes. yes. TV, there's all you need is TV love. Show or something. <laughs> love is all you need. Yes. <laughs> I, I really, I yeah. really did love Dean's line too. The whole, the whole thing about I'm not, you know, I mean, love, you know, I'm not. Yeah. Love. Love <laughs> thing. And yeah. yet, of course, he is the one character in the show who constantly expresses it even though he never says it. He never uses right. the love word. He doesn't, I mean, well, it, I, I, I had to laugh when, when he, he deliberately, when they deliberately had her. Dean delivering the, you know, the Han Solo version of, you know, Charlie saying, I love you, and Dean saying, I know. <laughs> he doesn't well, do nice the thing that says, I love him. Yeah, it was a nice nod to her doing it in Lark and the Real Girl. That also was like a nice yes. parallel. But I do think oh, yeah. like with Dean, you know, it's very easy for Dean to say that he loves the hamburger. It's very easy for him to lo- love pie. Those are easy things for him to say because it's not a real love. But yeah. when it's real yeah. and you say it, and then, then it's something that can be taken from you, and that's going to hurt. Yeah. I do think, going back to Ezekiel, like obviously – as much as I'm one of the people that's firmly in the please don't screw us over Ezekiel because I like you camp, and there's a lot of reasons why I don't want Ezekiel to be quote-unquote evil. I One, I just like the idea of the character, but I also, I've come to resent that all angels, despite the fact that they're all kind of having these turmoils and crises of faith within themselves, all tend to code as evil from our perception, which is the Winchester perception, aside from Castiel. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like I, for there I to really, be another I would like for there to be another angel who's just going, No, I just think that things could be better and I like your way of doing things, so let's do this. Yeah. So Yeah. I I, by, I definitely yeah, I, I fully understanding all the concerns about it. I'm definitely in the camp of saying that I I I, I, well, I did this in my review of the premiere, saying that I thought Ezekiel actually is um, honorable and with it. I did. Um, and I, I kind of I put my I put my my eggs in that basket. Yeah. Well, and and the, well, the thing is, I, I saw a number of things going on. Yeah, I saw a number of things going on with Ezekiel that suggested to me that he is on the level, and. I think one of the most telling ones was that he left his vessel intact. You know, the the first vessel that he abandoned in order to go into Sam isn't a drooling idiot the way that Raphael left his. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he 
didn't know what the heck was going on. He didn't have any apparent memory of how the heck he got into this hospital room. But he was perfectly fine. And I don't think that most of the other angels we've seen who had no consideration for humanity whatsoever, like Raphael and Uriel and Zachariah, I sincerely doubt that any time they might have, you know, removed themselves from a vessel, that they had any concerns at all about what would happen to that vessel when they left. But Ezekiel left his in good shape. And it's not something that necessarily Dean would actually have known because when he transferred into Sam, I'm willing to bet that Ezekiel's host was kind of knocked out by the whole experience. So it's kind of intriguing because on, on the one hand, you do have the question of is Ezekiel deliberately playing Dean to make him be, you know, trusting and accepting? Or is he on the up and up? And I, I tend to fall into him being on the up and up in part because they don't have Castiel anymore as a powered mm-hmm. angel. And they're going to need an ally who actually has power. So mm-hmm. I've been... Story, uh, story no, balance I've, perspective. I've been on the side of thinking Ezekiel is a good guy and that he has no bad intentions. But after guys talking tonight and some things that he mentioned, that things that he has heard and kind of what he is um, thinking, you know, from what he's heard, what he thinks might happen, that it's got me wondering, and this is just, like, you know, a theory I've come up with in the last 20 minutes, <laughs> so I've not really put much thought <laughs> into it. But it's got me wondering if, what if Ezekiel likes being Sam? He likes it. Mm-hmm. And he likes yeah. having the brotherly relationship with Dean and, you know, and all that. And what if he just decides this is a good place, this is a good life, I'll just well, stay and here. And I had said that, I think in my first recap I had mentioned, the thing about it is is being in San Winchester, like that's a prime priest of real estate. Like would you really want to live in a house that nice and then go, well, you know, mm-hmm. I'll move back to like, a studio apartment, sure, why not? No, you want to stay ah, but there. Like that there, there are some issues. issues. However, yeah, however, I will say what I think when it comes to Ezekiel is obviously there's going to have to be conflict. What I'm hoping and what I kind of see maybe is that the conflict isn't going to be so much that he's going to betray, but maybe that as he heals himself and as he heals Sam, there's kind of a, an inadvertent fusion that happens where he can't leave. And he's kind of stuck. Yeah, well, that was that was one of the things where where I, I thought that the ambiguity of that's why I said yes could have been very interesting because if that's setting up the idea that because of their codependency on each other, Sam and Ezekiel wind up growing together in odd ways, that could inhibit Ezekiel's departure. The other thing I wondered was we know that Sam is gradually being healed. At least Ezekiel says that it's working. We also know that Cass earlier on had said that the trials had changed Sam, they'd affected Sam 
in ways that even he couldn't heal. So one of my thoughts was also, is Ezekiel going to discover that there's a limit to how much he can heal Sam? And does that create the question that if Ezekiel departs, Sam might be left handicapped in some way, shape, or form? I thought about that as well because the whole thing was, you know, if Cassiel can't heal him, how come Ezekiel can? The, you know, well, the theory the, of that, like, yeah. just because he's from the inside, like, that didn't occur to Cass? Well, Cass, well, Cass would know better than to ever him. say, hello, I'm going to infiltrate you. Well, that's true. Well, no, okay. <laughs> I will say that as someone who really likes Castiel, we have to remember that on a characterizational level, that's not true, though, because I'm not going to let go of the fact that Cass is the one that opened the panic room. I'm not. You know, yes, Canon has dropped it. I'm not dropping it. And I'm not saying that as someone who doesn't like the character. I like the character, but let's be real, Castiel says some really shady things when it comes to the Winchesters. So, nah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give him a pass that easily as far as that aspect is concerned. That he just chose to not tell Dean. Well, there's one thing I can do, but let's not do that. I'm not. I'm not so convinced on that. Mm. Um, I, I don't, will I say. Don't think that, I, I don't think that particular solution would ever actually have occurred to Cass. Quite possibly not. I will say just, that. Just flat out, it, I don't think it would have. I will. We say don't know anything about that. Detail, is, though. Yeah, I do they think that like, you, all, you were saying earlier. Yeah, you were saying earlier that they need, or I don't know, maybe it was somebody else who was saying it, that they need somebody with like power or strength on their side. And I disagree with that um, for a couple reasons. I do part of the issue with them keeping Castiel on the show or keeping Misha on the show really was how do we justify the fact that you know they have an angel on call, but they're not using him constantly, and he's a little too powerful. So they take away his mm-hmm. power, and they basically give it all to Sam, which really didn't solve that problem at all, aside from giving Castiel a new storyline and Misha something new to work with. But as far as, you know, on a, on a writing level, on a continuity level, it doesn't solve anything. Um, but well, actually, I mean, I actually, and the first, the first I mean, few seasons, the first few seasons, you know, the Winchesters don't need somebody with the powers, and I kind of... I like it better when they don't... I like Ezekiel, so I hate saying this, but I kind of like it when they <laughs> don't default... I do, they don't default to some kind of, you know, otherworldly power for things. Well, I think... I, I like think, it when they I, do it with... I did, a, I did a whole thing on... I did a whole thing on angels um, a while back and, and why I thought they played things out the way they did. And one item was when you introduced angels as a power and particularly angels as a monster. They were so powerful that to face off against them, the Winchesters needed more than their standard available arsenal. So they got an angel who was um, extremely naive but was basically on the side of people. But the more that he sided with them, the less power he had precisely because he was cut off from heaven. Now we're seeing Ezekiel 
who is reduced in power from what we knew as angels before, because all angels have been reduced in power, but the angels can still blast a level of things. I mean, Ezekiel taking out as many demons as were... Had there been more than three demons in that diner? Ezekiel manifesting as an angel and letting loose the smite power would would have taken out... If there were 20 demons in there, he'd have taken them out. That's a power level that's way beyond human. But it's a power level that they need to occasionally be able to access if they're up against angels who have that kind of power and could wipe out a human in the blink of an eye. So they they need a bit of a balance, and yet it is a delicate dance to not say, okay, we can always have the angel in the pocket who's going to save the day. And that's the balance that they've been dancing with ever since they introduced Cass in season four. So I I see the same balancing act going on. And I think it's very conscious on the part of the writers for how do we not make the angel the answer to every problem that the Winchesters face. So they find ways to make the angel not automatically the answer. And I think one of the things that they're obviously going to be playing with here is Dean is going to hate it every time Ezekiel pops up because it's a reminder of exactly what's going on and how much Sam isn't entirely Sam and all of that is on Dean. So I think Dean is actively going to resist Ezekiel popping up and well, I think that's going to be part of the tension. Ezekiel himself, Ezekiel himself is in his his vocalized intent is that he's going to refrain from doing that because yes, yes, you know, and, and Ezekiel to, himself is hurt in in ways other angels are. So I just don't want Ezekiel to be bad. And I'm going to go on record with that. And I'm going to be very. I'm going to be very sad <laughs> if the conflict, if the conflict is something that Ezekiel does instead of something that he has no control over. I want to go on. I, I will be sad say, mostly because I, like I said, I'm tired of, I'm tired of Castiel being the only quote unquote good angel. I would like oh, yeah. Castiel to have someone, someone in his camp or on, you know, similar to him, that we don't resent. Every person, every angel we've had that's on Castiel's side, for the most part, we as a, they're written in a way that we don't like them because Dean doesn't like them. You know, they're, they always have an issue with Dean, or Dean has an issue with them. So they're not, some, they're not, it's never a character that we as fans embrace. We're always like, yeah, can you kill that one? Because we're, we're over it. So I would like for there to be an I would like for there to be an angel that's on Cass's side that we embrace overall, and, and, and who actually gets to stay there and doesn't get offed immediately as soon as he shows up, which has happened with some of the others. Yeah, this is this is a very important statement I need to make, and I need to make sure it goes on record that I want to make sure Tom O'Penniket is back on the show, whether it's as Ezekiel or just as the vessel, because he is hot. And I really like him. 
I have I have that, liked him I from felt that way until I saw Jared play Ezekiel, and then I kind of forgot about his existence completely. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I, I I thought about that all through the ninety ninety eight percent of of episode one, and not at all through episode two. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell love, you, one of the uh, things I am looking forward to is Sam being back alone in his head and his body and getting the chance to actually interact with Ezekiel outside of himself because I think that could be an incredible fireworks display. And when you get mm-hmm. two actors as intense as Tom O'Panicket and Jared Padalecki on the screen together, um, I think we might have to have some fire extinguishers handy. Yes, please make that scene happen. It may be the death of me because of all the hotness, but I still want to see that scene. Yeah. On a non-shallow level, I want to see that scene happen with just Jared doing it. Oh, oh, like yeah. his Lucifer? Like his Lucifer yes. the mirror scene? Because, let, let's be honest, Jared plays other characters the way he flips out of playing Sam into somebody else, it's flawless. It's it's flawless. So it's, I it's really good, but you know, I I think it would be better. I think it would be better if if they're actually separate. I mean, I would not be at all surprised to see a confrontation scene with the two of them um, played out uh, through Jared. But ultimately, I think there's there's we need to see Sam free of Ezekiel because for a well, whole lot of issues. Been so and hush, the consent stuff about, is part of it. About Tomo that I'm sure he's coming back. Because everyone's being very, very careful to not say yes, no, or even. Every time the question is asked, it's like deflect, like complete deflection. So that leads <laughs> me to believe that he is going to come back. Because everyone's being so Well, obviously. it would be such a waste for him obviously not to that I can't see him doing that. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just been so obviously unobvious about it. And to cast someone like him and only use him for an episode, I don't exactly. think it makes sense. You know, exactly. I'm, not, I'm not somebody who's watched what he's been in, but I know I know that he has a following on his own. And um, mm-hmm. I have a friend that was just, I have a friend that was like, you didn't tell me that Hilo was playing Ezekiel. And I was like, I don't know what you're saying to me. Why are you you're, you're using words I don't understand? What's a Hilo? I don't get what it is. Battlestar Galactica, like, you silly fam. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, what's a Hilo? What? So, Hi, guys. You know, Dollhouse. Yeah. Yeah, he was the best Dollhouse. He's my favorite. Yeah, dollhouse is something I gave up on. So, you know, I did too, not, but he was the best really part of it. I'm not really a sci-fi watcher. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really a sci-fi TV watcher. Um, I Doctor Who, and that's the extent of my sci-fi, air quote. Uh, Doctor Who and Firefly are about as sci-fi as I get. So I didn't know what a Hilo was. I don't know who Tomo is. He's, he, I like him as Ezekiel. I know that. <laughs> that's that's, the it, that's exactly that's exactly it. The fact that they got someone with the star power. You know, he's he's not George Clooney, but you know, in TV wise mm-hmm. and. And genre-wise, Tomo is a big name, and mm-hmm. the fact that they got him 
And yet you have not seen any press interviews with him or anything, you know, for the one yeah, episode, nothing. which to me means he's going to be back more. Because if he was go- only yeah. going to be in the one episode, there would have been, you know, press interviews and things with him. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. such a, there's such an embargo on him that I'm like, yeah, you're coming back. <laughs> which obviously because Ezekiel's in Sam right now and that vessel, you know, Ezekiel just abandoned that vessel in the hospital it's going to be interesting to see how they work out him coming, him ending up back in that vessel. Like, you know, it's going to be interesting. Oh, not a problem. I can't wait to see how they do it. Oh, 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 oh. What if it's kind of a body swap thing? What if Sam gets put into Tomo's body? (laughs) And Ezekiel takes over Sam's body. Oh, that just hit me. Oh, that would be. That I would be awesome. when Jared plays other people. I don't want other people playing Sam unless it's unless it's Jensen playing Sam and Jared's playing Dean. Aside from uh, that, no, no one else. I can think play that would Sam. be awesome. Shut your mouth. I want to see all of <laughs> I that. Ha- I want to see all of that. Ha- I want to see Tomo play Sam. I want to see, see Jared play Ezekiel, and I want to see Sam. Uh, Jared play Dean and <laughs> Jensen play yeah. Sam. I want we just all of it. Love to see Jared play pairs. Dean. <laughs> We need to play musical I, I chairs with the feel, role. You know, we got yes. a body swap episode, and, and all the people who felt kind of gypped by it, I get why they felt gypped about it, because, you know, the classic fandom body swap trope was kind of subverted, and we all kind of went, but, but, you're not yeah, swapping Sam and Dean. Yeah, <laughs> so there was, there was a Stargate so, episode. There was, there was a Stargate episode where in order to get through this whole thing, there was probably at least, I think all four of the main Stargate team members, plus an, I think another uh, one or two actors, and they all had to sort of body swap to get through whatever this sort of purse or whatever it was that had happened to put them in this space. So they actually did play musical characters, and it was each one of them like taking a turn and playing each other, and then they would play another one, and it was fantastic. They did a great job. I'd like to see Supernatural do something like that, where it well, isn't just and, you know, we, a simple one, two. We all know how two. good Sarah and Eliza were at switching Faith and Buffy. So good. Mm-hmm. I can totally see a storyline where Ezekiel has decided that he's taken over the body, so he pushes Sam out, and Sam mm-hmm. takes his old vessel. Oh, I want this to happen so very much. <laughs> if, it happens, if it does happen... If it actually does happen, and that's a part of the storyline, you heard it here first. <laughs> I, decline your de- I decline your desire for anybody else to play Sam Winchester unless it's Jensen Ackles. No, you don't get your way. Sorry, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, she does get her way because it's two against one. <laughs> You're uploaded. Hawks on your house. No. <laughs> anyway, oh, we are, we are watched- on the air. Hmm? If only she had watched him in Battlestar Galactica, she would be feeling so much differently. <laughs> yes, and 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 Anyway, we are, we are on the air live for about another five minutes, and I know Becky, you want to mention the Team Levi auctions, and so we yes. can we can do that. We a little bit tricky here. Auctioning for Team Levi. Um, this may be our last week. We might have a few more items next week. I'm not sure. Um, but right now we've got new auctions up today. There's a 
Supernatural Men of Letters iPad sleeve. It's very cool, hand-painted one of a kind. Uh, hand-painted one of a kind Supernatural Messenger bag that is gorgeous. It's decorated with feathers, um, hand-painted feathers, and Sam and Dean, and um, all kinds, you know, the Men of Letters symbols and stuff. It's beautiful. Um, a 2013 Comic-Con TV Guide signed by Jared and Jensen. Very awesome. Uh, supernatural keychain that has Dean's amulet on it and as well as a pair of supernatural earrings and a little a charm of a bottle of salt and an absolutely gorgeous supernatural cameo necklace which features Jared and Justin on it. And it's beautiful. It's made with crystals and rhinestones. Very pretty. Um, I just got a box of donations today, so I haven't opened it. It just got here today, but um, I got a box of donated stuff from Tracker. Thank you, Anna. So we will be having more options, so yay. So um, you can find the links on our website, winchesterbros.com, also through Twitter and our Facebook. Okay. And I, I just want to say that when uh, Guy tweeted, tweet, tweeted us about saying thank you for tonight and off to Hand Me the Hamster's Wig, Ryan Curtis, visual effects uh, supervisor for Supernatural, Offered to Guy to reanimate Hammy the hamster. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he said, quick, get him a small bathtub and he knows the curse. I, I'm sorry, I thought that was hilarious. No disrespect, Miss. <laughs> are we, of are we endorsing necromancy now? <laughs> <laughs> Just for hamsters. <laughs> Is that a thing that we do now? <laughs> well, you'd wind up with, with Hamadon. Hey, oh, there you go. Hamadon. <laughs> Hamadon, Hamadon the hamster. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, also, we have we had a caller very patiently. Very funny. Um, we have a caller that's been waiting very patiently a long time, so I, I, I would like to put them on so they get a chance yeah. to ask their question or say hi. Hello, you're on the air, Winchester Radio. Thank you for your patience. Hello. Hello. Hi. Go hi. Ahead. Hi, ladies. Howdy. Hi. Hi, this is Monica Hargrove from Twitter. Oh, oh hi. Hey. I felt so st- stupid for that tweet earlier, and then you corrected me. Oh, the one where Jeremy Carver. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, I no, I was it, and I got caught. <laughs> Anyways, um, there, have y'all heard about the... Um, the theory that's going around on Tumblr. I avoid Tumblr. We, we never know what's going on on Tumblr. <laughs> okay, there's this theory. There's this theory going around on Tumblr that Ezekiel could be Lucifer, but he's lying because he didn't want to say his name at first, and Dean trusted Cass's word that it was Ezekiel, but Cass didn't actually see him, and they're all like, "Wait." We're like, wait, what? And they're like, well, think about it. All the, we got a call. They're like, the angel trials. What if the angel trials, when all the angels got sent to heaven, weakened Lucifer enough to get out of his cage? Because everyone was like freaking out. You know, the boy with the angel blood is getting a, the boy with the demon blood is getting the angel put in him. You know, now he's rode both sides of the fence. And we're like, somebody popped up. Well, wait, what if it's actually Lucifer pretending? Because they didn't. I was, like, everyone was like, no, but I'm like, what if? And then 2014 inverse would actually happen. 
We got a caller last week who actually asked the same question um, if we thought Ezekiel was Lucifer, and I don't think so. I I I, I don't, would, I don't I would either. Bet mon- I would almost bet money on it that Ezekiel mm-hmm. is Ezekiel. He's not Lucifer. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think like, because there's, there would be a lot to deal with if it is Lucifer because they'd also they have to also explain Michael. And they'd have to explain Adam exactly. if all that happens. And that I was, not happen. Like Adam is a I was having that discussion. So. I was having that discussion about Adam with a friend of mine on Twitter, and she's like, "No, Adam's in the cage. Adam's in the cage." And I'm like, "No, Adam went to heaven." And we, she was like, "Well, why do you think that?" And I'm like, "Well, okay, Cass Molotov, Michael, Adam, and." But he also said Adam's not home right now, and then he went in the cage. And I'm like, so for me, Adam went to heaven, and it was just Michael in the body. Like, now it's just Cass in the body. Jimmy's gone. And, like, she's like, okay, I can see your point, but no. (laughs) Well, but see, and I could go with that. Part of why I have the whole, you know, it's only Cass and it has been since that, because we know that God, you know, God is who put Cass back together again. Yeah, but you know, again, like I say, they would in order to have it be Lucifer, they'd have to revert back to the Lucifer Michael thing. I just don't think they're going to retread that. Yeah. I don't think it's something that they're they're going to bother to retread. I think they've moved past that, and especially because it is very much considered that seasons one through five was like, you know, book one, and then you know we have six through now being book two kind of thing. So yeah, I do think that that's pretty much. I don't think they'll retread it. There is this really funny gif on Tumblr, and it's got um, it's got Jake Abel in like all these like really ratty clothes, and he's like doing this Harlem Shake thing, and across it it goes it's in red letters it says "Still in Hell." So anytime anybody brings up Adam, somebody pops that GIF that gif in there. So I always thought that was funny because he's sitting there dancing and goes "Still in Hell." Yeah, that's the only thing I know how to use Tumblr for. Is I I find gifts of Adam to send to Becky. That's the only (laughs) thing I know how to use Tumblr for. I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's Tumblr's sole existence for me is for Adam jokes. It's just like finding somebody like Supernatural. Like most of the blogs that I follow are Supernatural, and you just reblog or you basically just reblog and add on to whatever post you like. Or make up a post to your own. That's basically, and then you can post audio, you can post video, you know, all that. But then my other thing, I don't know if y'all saw my tweet to you about it. Did any of you notice when Dean and Abaddon were talking? Did any of you notice that Dean's tattoo was actually upside down like Sam's used to be? I saw. I didn't pay I didn't pay attention to it either. I have to say huh? I didn't pay much attention to Dean's tattoo because Jensen was just looking so pretty in that scene. I know. <laughs> I, I didn't notice that, it either. But... I did not notice it either until, uh, you know, if a picture of it popped up on my feed on Tumblr, and I'm like, wait, his tattoo is upside down, and it's not like it's crooked from the camera angle. No, it's upside down, pointing down. And I'm like, oh, I don't think they realized they did that. Because <laughs> it it's just like the way Sam's used to be. 
back in, like, I think season four when they had to show them to the girl, you know, Chuck's publicist, whatever, mm-hmm. and his was upside down. And <laughs> later on, last season, when he was, you know, shirtless a lot, um, they fixed it. It's right now. And now he has chest hair. But <laughs> this uh, past episode, yeah, Dean's tattoo was upside down. And I don't think they noticed it because they were focusing on his face. It was a very pretty face in his defense. Yeah, all, <laughs> you look at all of us, a lot, all of us, who was doing that, who was, Vinny, was it you that was like, you like the chemistry between Abaddon and Dean? I do. I don't care how long it is. I, I, I have, I will admit it. You, I don't care. It is so you good. You are not the only one. No. Uh, there's a big Abaddon, and I was like, okay. <laughs> There's a big following for Aberdeen on Tumblr, <laughs> and I'm going to credit you for that Tumblr, name. If I understood this Tumblr, this Tumble blog thing the kids speak of, I, <laughs> I could go uh, through text mixing and your Tumble blogging. I don't get it. <laughs> it, it. The way most people see the way most people see the post is they'll follow. Uh, a tag, like a hashtag on it's Twitter. Not inter- it's not interactive enough for me. Like, I come from live journal days, and I have a Twitter, so oh, I like too. the interaction. And for me, there's not enough discussion on Tumblr. When I go there, it's just repetitive images, and I need more interaction. I need more. I just, I, I don't, it doesn't intrigue me in any way, really. So I, I wish it did because I, I, so yeah, I wish it did. But, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, shipping for them, but then everybody was like studying Dean's face when she was talking about you, you know, torture and all that. And we're like, oh, he's having flashbacks. He's having flashbacks. And that's why he like really didn't say anything. And we're all like, he's having flashbacks to hell. I didn't get that at all. <laughs> I have to. Say. Oh, I'm looking. I'm looking at two pictures, and it's not really that it's. It's, to me, it's not that it's upside down. It's almost like they grew, drew it like askew. It's not directly upside down. It's kind of like eighty-two percent upside down. Well, I, I was the one that brought it up to my friends. I'm like, his tattoo is not exactly right. It's not right. Yeah, it's not right. So I'm looking at two side-by-side images, um, and it's not it's not right. It is off. Yeah, but, but it's not. Comp- it's not well, completely. And remember, Guy Guy did say that that was the la- that they were in a hurry for that scene because Jensen yeah. had to Jensen get the to do on. So they but may I, have. Been, I was like, you know, I was know, running. Their I was fast. I was I was like five minutes late getting to the show because I was like running. I I had the app open on my phone, and it was showing the picture, but it wouldn't let me start playing it. So I had to run back to my apartment to get on my laptop. So I missed like five minutes of the show. Guy um, well, Guy um, told us that that was the scene. Um, Jared was already in San Diego for Comic-Con. And Jared oh, yeah, and Jensen, Jensen just went, Jensen just went yeah. running and left the set. Right, exactly. So yeah, they may have, it may have just been 
put on there really fast and not, you know, done to perfection like they normally would. Okay. I had to, this is completely off topic, but it, it's sort of on topic. Everyone keeps talking about Jensen's face and Dean's face. I'm going to be the one person that was like, as pretty as he looked in that scene, I was really into his hair. I agree. Whatever yeah, they're doing with really him. nice hair. Yeah, my friend Sue and I were talking about, you know, whatever they're doing with Dean's hair, it's a good time. And I tend to have, like, really nitpicky issues with Dean's hair. Like, his fade is always kind of off. And no, right now, we're good. It's good hair. You know what a lot of people did to that? On. You know what a lot of people did to that gift of where she's got him by the throat and he's looking up at her and he's, like, burying his teeth or whatever? A lot of people, uh, well, a lot of people, why? Well, I, I guess it could be a lot of people, they, like, demon his eyes out. And somebody got on there and complained and was like, every hot Dean gift where he looks pissed, you demon his eyes out. And then somebody put where Sam, that gift of Sam, where it says, you have a fetish. And we're like, so? It's so. It's hot. Yeah, you know. Sadly, everybody looks better with demon eyes. <laughs> we don't. We never do it to Sam. We always do it to Dean. I don't do it because I don't know how to do it. But yeah, they always do it to Dean. I, it's it's the layover from when he and his demon self. I know it is. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so glad she's back. Oh, I love Abaddon. I'm so glad she's back. I'm glad they let her hair down. Yeah. It's a it's a nice trait to have her hair very free flowing. Guys, I, I like, hate to I have to go actually leave this conversation, but I need to go check on my son, so absolutely. Okay. And uh yeah. and we uh we, we went off the air. And, yeah, I know y'all are wrapping up. I know y'all are wrapping yeah. up. So. But, but, but we appreciate thanks for you taking my for call. Us. No, thank you. Oh, oh, it's fine. I I miss huh? And it, it, Mary, are you still there? I'm still here. I'm, I was just Yay. waiting for a little break to say it's been fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you. I ramble. <laughs> I ramble. I'm sorry. But oh, I no. missed like, was... like 10 minutes. Yeah, thank you both for calling us. We appreciate it. Yes. Oh, no problem. Last week when I called, it just didn't even give me a dial tone, so. Hmm. Well, you well, got in this week, so. <laughs> I was the one that time. tried to call in, and there was nobody there. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> but, okay. okay. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. Well, good night, ladies. Oh, and Thank I love you. Mary, Thank you. So better come good back. Night. night. Good night, Mary. Good, good night. night, Monica. Bye, Mary. <laughs> good night, you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And I'm going to so let you okay. all go, too. Yeah, I yeah. Um, yeah. I got stuff to do. Well, we had a great podcast. Uh, if, if everybody's made it through the live and still listening to the recording, thanks so much. Thanks again to Dear Guy B for another great, insightful, fun, story-filled show. Um, thanks so much if you go happen to go take a – Take a look at the eBay auctions for Team Levi. We appreciate it. Uh, 
everything, lots of supernatural news, every link you could possibly need for podcasts, auctions, you name it, is at winchesterbros.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Winchester Bros. The podcast is at blogtalkradio.com slash media boulevard. And also through iTunes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I will see you guys in two weeks because next week is Chicago Con and I will be there. Tweeting pictures. Make sure if you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you'll be following us next weekend because Susan will be tweeting on our Winchester Bros account from Chicago Convention. Yep, and the picture should be pretty good. I, uh, I'm in the front row for the panels, at least. So uh, they're, they're not too bad. They're not too bad. <laughs> and, uh, Thank night, you. Everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Okay. Yep. Good night, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>